We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Podcast, Fantasy Football Podcast for NFL Week 15. If you're listening to this, congratulations in advance. You are probably uh, still alive in your fantasy league or you've advanced in your best ball tournaments. Fantasy playoffs are officially upon us, so you know what that means. we got to bring our A-game to the pod, and we're going to. Let's start the show. Pokemon in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast for NFL Week 15. I'm your host, John McKechnie, wearing a goofy sweater. That is Mario Puig, looking more uh, business appropriate. Let's get oh, down no. to business, this Mario. Is, uh, this is a metal shirt. No. <laughs> Which band? Can you say it on the air? Not really. No. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I wanted to make sure. I had it. Yeah. It's good to be careful <laughs> with these things. See, exactly. See, that, that's the podcast repertoire uh, that, that we've built in rapport uh, that we've built over the years. But, um, you know, let's get down to brass tacks. This is this is a huge week. Um, you know, people were, were able to to get through some some landmines last week. You know, the the tough instances like, OK, Justin Jefferson's back. I'm going to start him. Oh, no, he's he's being transported to a, to a local hospital for further evaluation. You got oh, Nico Collins like the. You know, things are about to pop off with, with Tank Dell being out. Oh, CJ Stroud gets concussed and Nico Collins hurts his calf. Oh, boy, my my uh, my lineup suddenly not looking so good. So I know from my personal experience that I had a couple of best ball teams over on DraftKings that uh, were really brutalized by, by some of those instances. Oh, sorry, so sp- speaking from personal experience, but, um, you know, we're, we're still advanced in a, in a handful of those. So we're, we're still alive, still OK on some underdogs. So. Um, you know, we're, we're going to rock with it here, but um, we, we're going to lead things off with the Thursday night game, which has obviously taken some some uh, twists and turns since, you know, when we were talking a week ago, if we were looking ahead to this game, we would have figured, hey, you know, just Justin Herbert's going to be playing on Thursday night football. You got Keenan Allen. Uh, we'll, we'll see what the Raiders <laughs> look like coming off their bye. Uh, turns out the Raiders off their bye. Uh, Unable to score any points against the Minnesota Vikings. Meanwhile, uh, the the nightmare continued uh, for, for the Chargers. They got beat pretty handily at home. Justin Herbert. Uh, I don't know who has the voodoo doll on Justin Herbert's uh, hands in particular, but but two broken fingers, uh, one on each hand this year. This one, the the index finger on the throwing hand, going to keep him out for the remainder of the season. 
uh, which means that we have Easton Stick getting the start, and uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of help around him because Austin Eckler, current iteration, not phenomenal, and no Keenan Allen tonight as he's dealing with a heel injury. So even with all of that being said, Raiders only three-point uh, favorites at, at home in this one. And of note, Josh Jacobs looking a little bit iffy for tonight with a quad injury. And I think Devontae Adams been dealing uh, with, with a bit of an illness, but I think he's going to be able to go. But um, we'll, we'll start things on the Chargers side, Mario. Uh, what are we looking for when it comes to this Chargers offense? Are they going to be able to get anything going uh, with, with Stick back there? I would have thought there'd be maybe something to tap into with Stick's running ability. You know, he was a running quarterback in college, and he uh, had the whatever the three cone record for quarterback. The greatest, the greatest like three a, cone time, and like a four six one, which is pretty fast. Like he could line up and play receiver quite credibly, Easton Stick. So you'd think, especially for fantasy purposes, like hey, maybe they can get him going as a runner. And yet last week we've got twenty four pass attempts, zero rushing attempts. So that's one of those things like I understand you can't just totally reformat a system for one player, but if that's the case, why wouldn't you have a backup quarterback who actually fits your system? Or maybe, maybe uh, if I'm being totally generous and fair or whatever, maybe they'll unveil a different looking offense for this game. Maybe I'll be like, Hey, that doesn't look like the, the charges offense. That's a, that's some kind of a running setup. And they, you know, they get stick like 10 rushing attempts at the very least the way maybe you'd use someone like Dobbs, I guess. And uh, not something where you're like, hey, a guy who can run but can't throw it. Just go play Justin Herbert style ball. Go go throw 45 passes, please. No Keenan Allen, though. Thanks. Like, that's insane. Why would you ask him to do that? And yet, based on the way last week, uh, last week went, I, I don't know what reason we have to kind of, um, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt that, oh, maybe they'll maybe they'll come out with something a little more uh, accommodated to his skill set. So. Um, we'll see if it could be explosive for fantasy though. I mean, if, if they get him away to, if there's a way to get him like 35 pass attempts and 10 carries, even if Keenan Allen's not out there, that might be, you know, uh, at least like a garbage time opportunity. Maybe he'll get to run the ball a bunch of times against prevent defense or something like that. Cause he can definitely run. It's, it, it's crazy, especially for a team that is specifically struggling to run to not look to Easton stick for rushing production at all. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I was surprised to see the box score uh, last week. He, he was able to connect on, on some deep shots, um, you know, notably getting Quentin Johnston involved yeah. in the field. Um, so, you know, that was of note, uh, I thought. But, but yeah, ge- generally what I know of Easton Stick is that he's an athlete. And why wouldn't you have him run? But, you know, you go into that game expecting Justin Herbert to play the, the entire time. So I expect they're going to play a little bit more to his strengths tonight. Maybe not. Uh, completely reconfigure things. But if I'm playing the showdown for DFS tonight, like I probably am just throwing caution to the captain. Yeah, captain, captain stick. Yeah. I'm feeling I think up. so. I like it. Right. So, uh, you know, what, what does that mean uh, in, in your mind for the, like the rest of this chargers offense? Like, do we, do we see Austin Eckler get an uptick in, in workload? Do we see Josh Kelly kind of have to to take on some more rushing work because they're going to be throwing less? Um, any sort of lingering interest in not, I mean, Quentin Johnston, I suppose he's potentially starting. Well, Josh Palmer's back, I think. Correct. He so is. that's uh, that's your number one receiver for sure. Uh, the mm-hmm. question is, is, is it going to be Alex Erickson or quentin like i don't care how bad quentin johnson is if staley's convinced himself that erickson's better he's just out of his mind 
there's there's a that's a low bar you're not even reaching with Erickson, you know, and that's it's crazy. But uh, as far as how the run game might look, you know, I'm I'm staunchly pro Austin Eckler, and I, I think uh, he's blameless in all of this. I think his his contributions to the Chargers during the Staley years and even before that have been under acknowledged. The guy has not gotten enough credit, certainly not been paid enough for what he's accomplished. And yet, even I would say, as a defender of his, the, an Easton stick offense, an offense that's best suited to Stick's abilities, might not be one that suits Eckler that well. Because when you can't throw as much, to me anyway, it's as simple as then you have to lean more on pure running, the variable of like pure rushing ability. And Eckler, even even like the case for him, you know, Hall of Fame or whatever, you wouldn't lead it off with. He was such a great runner from the you know behind the tackles or whatever it's like no it's like he was a good runner in a singularly great pass catcher there's basically marshall falk and arguably mccaffrey but i don't i don't think i would argue mccaffrey uh, that have been uh, on eckler's ability eckler's level as a pass catcher so um like it's not it's not great to reduce his pass catching variable and necessarily put more of it on pure rushing i still think there's a plenty good chance that he's a better pure runner than kelly or, or I, I know he is better as a pure runner than kelly um but it, it it also makes it more specifically like a power version of running you know like f- from these from these bigger uh quarterback run heavy looks you're gonna have you're gonna have to have that john dwyer kind of threat you know like that that quick the gus edwards threat kind of under uh, in between the guards and that's pretty much got to be either build wise anyway uh general casting convention would say it has to be josh kelly or isaiah spiller and honestly I, I just want to see Spiller get a chance at this point if I'm them because it's like we know Kelly sucks and you're not competing for anything. Just stop doing this. At least find out if Spiller sucks too. So you can so so you know whether you have to cut everybody in this backfield or just uh Kelly and Dotson or whoever that yeah. other one is. And Anthony uh chimes in <clears throat> for a bit of clarification, but but yeah, essentially uh if the Chargers look like what we expect this evening, a lot more run heavy. Uh, with, with their approach and Easton Stick posing a, a run threat of his own, um, probably some more conventional run game, and therefore probably a little bit more Kelly uh, slash Spiller. I than- will say though, I don't specifically expect it. I have no idea what to expect from Staley, but if they were reformatting the offense for Stick, that's what it would look more like. I think. There you go. All right, so that, that's a good way uh, of drawing it up. Um, some questions in the chat. Uh, this is how you know we're we're in the fantasy playoffs. We're getting defense questions, and I think they're they're good ones to have because it, I mean you really need to like pad around the edges, right? But when, yeah, when yeah. you're talking about uh, the, these matchups, especially like the aggregate matchups for for two weeks, it would make sense, John, to ask like a defense question about next week. You know, to to do f- like Fab today or whatever. Um, Honestly, so yeah, you're, you're totally right. So I think so, and, and therefore uh, getting some questions about uh, the Raiders. Are, are they a must-start uh, defense streamer this week? Admiral wants to know uh, specifically uh, one of the defenses from this game or the Rams going up against Washington. That I think Washington's too much of like a live wire with their offense to where I would probably side with – I think the conventional wisdom would probably point you towards the Raiders who have actually been you know solid enough defensively I would, this year. You, You'd prefer the Raiders over the Rams? I would. Okay. So I'm a little concerned about the Raiders. Is this listing the Chargers as an option from that game? Uh, yes. So you can I would actually team. prefer the Chargers uh, just because, you know, Khalil Mack is definitely, or I assume he didn't get hurt 
uh, since I last looked. Uh, Khalil Mack the, and uh, what's his name, that USC guy. I kind of like them to get some pass rush if it's there. Aiden O'Connell, I think, is awful. Yep. Uh, if oh, oh, by the way, two starters on that Raiders offensive line are out, including the left tackle. Uh, Max Crosby only had the one limited practice on Wednesday with that knee thing. So I'm worried that the Raiders uh, are kind of like shorthanded uh, in a way that the Chargers aren't at the very least. I can understand the concern with the the Washington offense, but I don't know. I uh, I think I would go the Rams and, and uh, honestly the Chargers before the Raiders just because I, I worry about the – since the Raiders are such a bad defense in their own right, I, I worry that there's not really like the um, – the matchup based assumption of like a favorable setting. Cause it's like, they can, they can blow it against kind of like an empty net, but um, yeah, th- these are tougher questions than in, in different sort of thinking, you know, process that we, we have to go through with defense than we do with like the player takes. There's like a lot more conditions to think through, I think. Uh, definitely. And, and, you know, good, really good points on, on the chargers defense. You know, you can get some sacks, uh, for, for sure this evening. And it's not like it, O'Connell's, you know, pl- uh, escaping the pocket, escaping the grasp of, of Khalil Mack, who's, you know, kind of had an unbelievable season that, this year that I don't think is getting talked about enough just because the Chargers are uh, a dumpster fire for, for the most part. But I think I would pair it to this game specifically because the just kind of looking at the odds, you got an over under in this game of 34, the Washington uh, versus the Rams games at 50. So oh, that's true. So I think that there, you're 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 baking in some potential issues there when it comes to some garbage time potentially for for Washington knocking you out of the points allowed uh, points bracket that type of thing. Although there could be plenty of sacks for for the Rams, of course, and some turnovers from from Sam Howell himself. But I would focus on either of the defenses um, from from tonight. Um, but either way, I mean, worthwhile uh, discussion there, and then. Uh, moving on to the to the Raiders side. So again, it's it's not looking great for one Josh Jacobs tonight. Uh, so some some of my zombie best ball teams that that uh, drafted Zamir White in the 18th round, maybe they will have a pulse tonight. Tell tell me if they will. I have no idea what to make of Zamir White at this point. I mean, I I am still thinking of him as the Georgia player because the appearances that he's made in the NFL, I, I feel like aren't really useful for evaluating. It's, it's just a, it's kind of a lot of noise. And if you try to watch it and get some sort of meaning from it, I, I think you're kind of just wasting your time, or at least I can't tell uh, whether there's anything there. So while obviously he has done absolutely nothing in two years and while he's overall probably been a little bit of a disappointment for a fourth round pick, particularly given how much they were paying Jacobs and particularly given Jacobs's, you know, preceding reputation, it, it is possible that white is, you know, good or some version of adequate and didn't get a chance to show it because Jacobs was just, you know, preempting uh, the, just the, the leading guy on every sort of task question. And therefore the only one who was almost ever on the field. So white has a shot, but he kind of needs to, when he gets a real, when he gets a real opportunity, if it's, if it's Thursday, uh, in this game, he needs to sort of come through quickly. You know, like he's he doesn't get like three games to to see how it's going. It's more like, okay, I'm I'm willing to give you like six drives, and uh, I feel like over the course of that kind of sample, you need to show the ability to start landing some punches, or it's kind of like, yeah, there might not really be anything here. Right, it, exactly. So I'm a big Zeus guy. Um, 
I like to sometimes picture an alternate reality in which he didn't tear both of his ACLs at uh, dating back to his senior year of high school. But um, so a bit of a different looking guy that, than he could have been. But even still, I have some lingering optimism that that if given the opportunities like, like tonight, um, again, with, with Josh Jacobs being doubtful, that maybe he, he will end up being some semblance of productive, at least uh, for this evening. But I, I don't think like there's too much in the way of like long-term uh, dynasty appeal for, for him. Um, let's hit a quick tight end question because uh, there's a decent amount of names to sift through uh, with Darren Waller potentially coming back uh, this week. Where would you have him among a mix of Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, Logan Thomas, Tucker Kraft, Chigo Conquo, who's who uh, shown a little bit of life uh, lately and Tyler Conklin, who's been, Pretty reliable the, over the course of this season. I don't, I don't know if I'm going for Wall. I think I'm going Pitts against the Panthers. Did they say what the deal? I, I kind of missed the latest development with Waller. I suppose he's still on IR. Waller um, was saying, I think yesterday, like he was just waiting for the window to be opened. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of trouble figuring this one out because if he's supposed to be at a hundred percent, I think I'd do it. But there's a pretty substantial risk that. He's not, and they're going to give him like 30 snaps in this game, but he's been out since week nine. So I feel like that's a pretty long time. I feel like that's, I don't he's know. He's cleared to chance. practice as of Thursday. Right. So I guess if, if they list him as a full practice participant, I would probably go with Waller. But if he's listed as limited, then you have to double check that he's even going to be active, uh, let alone, you know, the question of how he might do. And uh, let's see. At least that's a noon game, so there's there's not too much danger in waiting it out. But um, yeah, I I don't know. It's, those guys, they're all acceptable, I should say. It's just uh, I feel like Waller really does have that kind of eight target kind of upside if he's active. And I, I just can't really see it with the other guys. It's more like they need kind of a lucky touchdown or something like that. OK, so if if it was not Waller out there, oh, right. who of that group? Uh, crap. How are the, I don't know off the top of my head, how the Rams are doing against defenses. Like in the target volume sense, I kind of, my mind went to uh, Logan Thomas. Oh yeah. The Rams are doing bad against tight ends this year. So I'd probably go with Logan Thomas, if not Waller. Okay. All right. Good, good uh, points there. Uh, we'll, we'll of course unpack more Kyle Pitts later. Cause Hey, scored a touchdown last week, folks. Everyone is excited. Myself. Wake me up when Arthur's sent back to Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, let's see here. Um, before we move on to the Saturday slate, Saturday we get a triple header of games. Very excited for that, and all of them pretty good. Uh, we got a message from our friends over at Circa. It's also pretty good. Get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive screen booming game sound and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Sign the best seat in the sun with day beds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more, or touchdown at the world's largest sports book. That's circus sports book for the big game bash. Three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. The big game parties only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at Circa 
LasVegas.com. Again, that's Circa LasVegas.com. And we got a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, jumping on over to Saturday. But before we do that, we do have an interesting kind of high-level wide receiver uh, pick one to sit out of a pretty stacked quartet of receivers that we're talking about. I'm assuming this first one is Tyree Kill, so... Um, the, the issue there, of course, being the the, uh, the injury. Is he going to be good to go? Is he going to be 100%? And then a reasonably tough matchup against the Jets. And then which of the, the two Rams receivers, either Puka Nakua or Cooper Cup or DK Metcalf, 
against the Eagles. My inclination is to bench Metcalf, barring anything going on with, with Tyreek Hill, because I think both the Rams are, are going to go off this weekend against Washington. I have a hard time sitting either of those guys. Metcalf, though, I mean, I don't know. Bit the, the Eagles are giving up big plays to, to receivers. We've seen Metcalf go off in, in big situations like you know, pretty recently, like he was killing it against Dallas. So it it it's gonna make you queasy if you have to sit him. But I think that like the the floor ceiling combo for for those other three is enough for me to probably bench Metcalf for those four. Yeah, this one's an easy one to get wrong. If Hill is active, I pretty much have to start him. And I think I have a little more trouble with the remainder than than you, John, because I I think this is a really prime setup for Metcalf. Uh, it's it's if 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 Dallas was for some reason his best matchup on the year, then I, I think this one or like Arizona have to be the, the second most favorable. And I know that this this makes the question more easy uh, easy to get easier to get wrong yet. But I feel like especially if I'm in a tournament kind of setting, if I'm getting greedy, if I want if I feel like I need a lot of points, I'd probably just pick one of the Rams. Uh, because I, at least in that game, I'm a little worried about Kyron Williams getting the running game going quite a bit. And I don't worry about that with Seattle. Like I like those running backs, but I, I just don't believe that the Seahawks can run on the Eagles. So uh, Seattle has to chuck the ball at Metcalf over and over. Or so I assume, and I, I worry that the Rams might not need to use both of those guys, but you're right. There's, there's a lot to like with both cup and Nakua. I guess if I had to sit one, it would be Nakua, but maybe I'm just, defaulting to preseason ADP or something. No, I, I think that definitely makes sense. Um, you know, and it's a, it's a lofty presupposition to make, like even against a, a defense as friendly a, as Washington's is to, to opposing receivers, you know, you're, you're starting two guys from the same team and it's not a DFS lineup. It's, it's your, you know, your season long lineup. Uh, it can make you a little bit more nervous. So maybe you want to spread the wealth a little bit to, and uh, go Metcalf for the record. We have, all of these four guys inside of our top 12 uh, yeah. on the RotoWire rankings this week. So you're, you probably aren't going to go super wrong, but the, the important thing is to, is to get it right. Right. So um, for me, again, assuming that Hill is good to go, I'm starting Hill and the Rams, but I definitely understand that the Metcalf appeal. And if I'm starting Metcalf, I probably am benching uh, Nakua in that, in that instance. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. Best of luck to you. Uh, yeah, Fernando, best of luck. We'll have to circle back next week. Let, let us know uh, how that went. Um, let's get things rolling for Saturday. We got the Vikings going to Cincinnati to face the Bengals, a, a battle of backup quarterbacks, and yet the, the total sitting at a, at a healthy 40 and a half. Uh, the Bengals, two and a half point favorites in this one. I think that's come down a little bit over the course of the week, but you know, the big kind of news out of Minnesota, of course, being that um, Nick Mullins is going to be uh, the, the starter this week as opposed to, to Joshua Dobbs. Um, so your thoughts here on on the Mullins-led Vikings going into Cincy in a must-win setup? Yeah, it's kind of dumb. Uh, I mean, O'Connell has shown flickers of certainly like play calling play scheming insights he's, he's shown i think a little bit of a occasional knack for calling a game like sometimes he, he he's got a good feel for kind of uh, finding holes in a defense but the broader judgment man i don't know i don't really see it and this is another case of that jaron hall should be starting jaron hall is not hurt at this point is he like he 
he should be starting pretty obviously over Nick Mullins. It's like oh, it's like O'Connell's just being cowed into that uh, you know that that sort of uh, conventional wisdom that you got to go with the veteran quarterback or else you're being reckless as a coach and may you know you deserve or you know otherwise risk getting fired for it. Mullins can't play, and you're not competing with him. What does it matter? What is it? Is, I feel like it's kind of cynical, almost of O'Connell to to be going like, oh, uh, I I I I believe that Nick Mullins might be able to get us a, another win than Hall. I think that's a false premise, but like even if it is true, what does it amount to? Like you being able to say that you you got the division title or whatever versus splitting it? Like I don't know. It, it seems like a po- a pointless kind of thing at best, and I, I feel like in addition to the evaluation reason of starting hall, he's probably just their best quarterback at this point. But uh, aside from that, whatever, I mean, I, I guess Mullins got some level of like gunslinger mentality too. I mean, he threw the ball a lot at Southern Mississippi threw for, you know, gaudy numbers at Southern Mississippi, but even in college, he was kind of a turnover machine. And now what, like eight years into the NFL after burning out in the Shanahan system, we're supposed to believe that he can do anything in this situation, I guess he's got good enough receivers. There's that, uh, but I don't know. I those receivers should be going to the benefit of Hall, not Mullins. So I guess I'm, I'm like too bitter to even answer the question of how good I think Mullins will do because it's just crapped me. No, I I think that's a totally like reasonable grievance to to air because yeah, if you I don't know if you are the Vikings, like you are still in the playoff hunt. I don't know if 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 Mullins necessarily is going to get them over the line though. And, you know, yeah. I, I'd say, like, go down swinging. Like, Jaron Hall, you know, in, in an extremely limited sample, is, has missed, like, all of two passes uh, out of his 15. or, or He's a better prospect than Mullins yeah. was. And it's it's not like he's a super young prospect. Like, he's 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 seasoned. He played a lot at BYU. To, like, just, just, I don't know. It's crazy. In a lot of ways, Hall is simply just a, a Mullins-type prospect who can also run. You know, Mullins mm-hmm. can't run. Uh, and I think Hall is clearly a better pure passer, too. So um, it's irritating to me. But it, I guess, you know, it, it, this long in the league, Mullins has had a lot of reps. Uh, he's He's got to have some level of, like, moxie and intelligence as a player because he definitely wasn't productive in college because he had such great tools or even, like, accuracy as a passer. There's got to be some, kind of like an instinctive basis to his game. But uh, I, I I think Hall has all those instincts and actual ability, too. I do too. Um, so, you know, that our bemoaning of, of KOC's decision here uh, aside, how is this set up for the, the Vikings offense? Well, there's probably no uh, Madison in this one, or I'm assuming he's not going to play. So uh, might not be any Brian O'Neill either, which would be difficult. Uh, there's, there's, the Cincinnati defense kind of sucks this year. I don't know why, but they still have pretty state straightforwardly dangerous personnel on the the edge defender rotation. So that's something that could go a little wrong. I guess I, I would take back all these criticisms of O'Connell and, and, and plead, you know, uh, weepingly for forgiveness. If it's actually that he's just worried about the quarterback getting killed in this game. So he's like, you're, you're up Mullins. Uh, that would be a lot smarter, I think. But uh, anyway, Madison being out means if, if he is out, then we're going to finally get uh, some extended run for Ty Chandler, which uh, it is a good matchup, I guess, especially if the if the Bengals get gassed on defense. I, I think Chandler 
like clearly isn't a workhorse back, but he's got enough of a frame to last to take like 20 carries like once or twice uh, in a row before he starts to break down. So I I think he's he's pretty much a blindfolded runner. I think he's got goofy start stop. Uh, I, I don't think he can really process as a runner. I think he's kind of just got to dive in and he is fast and he's, he's not small exactly. So that there's, there's something to work with there. He's got good hands, so he'll, he'll catch passes, but um, yeah, it's, it's just tough for me to think through, uh, especially if, if, the, if the Bengals miraculously start playing more like they did last year than this year. Uh, but it's, it's a good setup for, for uh, Chandler. Uh, I guess not so much the receivers. You know, I, I am sub, I am substantively, sub, substantively concerned about Mullins. I'm not just, uh, I don't think anyway, I'm, I'm not just uh, tilting about Hall. And I worry, therefore, about like Jefferson and, and Addison kind of um, dealing with inefficiencies that they normally wouldn't. Hawkinson, I guess it doesn't matter. He was inefficient anyway to start with. But uh, yeah, I think Hawkinson should be okay. Jefferson's probably good, but Addison kind of um, sporadic usage at best. And I'm worried it'll be like inefficient too. I have a similar read on that, although I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm not the biggest Hawkinson guy in the world, but I think this matchup sets up kind of uniquely well for, for him. And I think Saturday is just a really good day for, for the tight ends. Generally, a lot of the defenses uh, going on Saturday are bad against tight ends. So I think you have the fact that you have Nick Mullins making his first start of the season, probably going to be a little bit more conservative with, with things. Hawkinson running at the depth that he does. I feel like we're going to see one of his busier days of this. Season. I think, I think like if you had Hawkinson already, like you, you weren't thinking about benching him. Regardless, oh, but I think this actually like sets up as like potentially one of his better days because the, the Bengals have been God awful against the tight end yeah. position over the course of the season. Yeah. Sorry. I meant to only uh, point out like the efficiency question with Hawkinson. Sure. The, the target volume has been crazy heavy uh, since they traded for him. So yeah, there's uh there's no fantasy concerns with him at all. No, none. And then obviously it's funny. It takes us this long to get to the Bengals and it almost feels gratified. Like, okay. Like Jake Browning's obviously not Joe Burrow, but like this offense is still alive. Like we, we still yeah. feel good about Jamar chase. It looks like he, he's going to be good to go didn't practice Wednesday or at least was limited, but said that he's hundred percent and a little, little personal anecdote for uh, from the uh, Derek Van Riper super flex auction league that that I'm in. I rolled out Chase Brown and Joe Mixon last week and got 40 points out of it. Let's go. That's uh, that's outrageous. Mm -hmm. Who who, who is, uh, who is the victim of that? Or is it like a, an all play thing? It's an all-play thing, but I uh, oh, okay. definitely put some rockets. The whole league was cursing you. That, that's awesome. Absolutely, <laughs> I like making them all mad. Yeah, that's that's quite a stack to pull off. Um, yeah, I think as much as the the Colts kind of blew it on that Chase Brown touchdown, like that's an example of why it's important to have some actual speed on the field among your ball carriers because sometimes defenses do screw up with their contain, and sometimes they do cut a guy loose and having having someone with some actual jets like chase brown in that situation is important because if you have travian williams instead he might kind of turn what, what could have been a 60 yard touchdown into like a 12 yard gain and then jake browning has to make four more plays that don't necessarily go that well or you know mm-hmm. as well as certainly the the way it went so um but i do think brown is not just like you know he, he whereas ty chandler is a blindfolded runner Chase Brown is not that he's got the jets and he can actually run. He can play from scrimmage. He can, he can navigate between the tackles. 
through all the levels, through pretty much any kind of carry you're thinking of. He can play as a drawback if you want him to, or he can be a starter like he was at Illinois if the opportunity presents itself. And yeah, it's kind of interesting, even, even though he was such a workhorse guy, at, uh, such a volume-based producer at Illinois, it always, I think, was worth wondering, like, what if you just let him drop seven or eight pounds and, and play like a 20 snap role? Like he can, he could probably look pretty fat, a step faster maybe. And that he traded off some of the volume doesn't matter. Cause you got this other guy starting anyway. Um, kind of, um, I don't know, like, uh, anyway, I, I don't know who he compares to exactly, but it, it's some version of good, I think. And I, I'm definitely, as you can see, I'm intrigued by the, the speed specifically. Cause Mixon, Mixon's one of those guys who I think is more, just athletic in like human terms than in functional football terms. Like he can do probably lots of like cool uh, tricks and stuff, but to be a running back and to, to, to really be consistently productive as a running back, you kind of have to either have the space generated for you at the very least, or you have to be able to kind of start quickly and, and uh, actually tap into that athleticism functionally and, and mix in. There's so many plays where he's just like sluggish, you know, at the first line uh, yard or two, within the line of scrimmage. And then when he gets rolling, you can see kind of like he goes from first gear to fourth, you know, like he, he kind of, uh, he gets a lot faster, but it takes so long to get him going. And it, it Brown is a lot more sudden as a runner. No, he, he absolutely is. So I think this is like a, a nice little, like almost found money development for the Bengals, because I, I felt like they basically have just kind of had to overexpose Joe Mixon over the last couple of years, because they didn't have like a legitimate number two option to kind of like rotate in, and get defenses thinking a little bit differently. Now you you kind of out of necessity, like just sort of maybe even like dumb luck. Like I don't want to give them all the credit in the world for for taking this long to to get to Chase Brown, but they have him now, and it's it's working nicely. And I I, I think that Brown probably like unless you're in a, a psychotic league like that one, you're you're probably not starting him necessarily. But I think that. You know, things look good for Mixon. I think Brown, at least for like Saturday DFS purposes, is definitely going to be someone on my radar. Yeah, not a, like you said, not exactly who you're looking to start in the fantasy playoffs. But uh, I, I think at the very least, you know, the, the people who picked Brown as, as like a dynasty asset or whatever, uh, they, they've they've kind of been denied opportunity, of course. But they've also, I think the last couple of weeks been proven kind of like correct for their evaluation and now it's it's just a matter of seeing like what kind of uh basically but what, what happens with joe mixon what kind of opportunity level is there because i i think in the off season with brown looking like this being a whole lot cheaper it might be what they finally need to just say like yeah thanks joe we, we we don't need you anymore yeah it very well could be um and then any lingering concern optimism for, for the rest of the uh cincinnati pass catchers uh, it should be good. I, I guess uh, off the top of my head, I don't have a great sense of how Jake Browning does against blitzes. Uh, he's he's obviously got like limited tools as a passer, like limited arm talent. But I don't have a good sense situationally if he does any better versus one thing than another. So uh, the basic deal is the Vikings are going to blitz. And I happen to think that their pass coverage personnel is not very good and can quite easily be beaten by receivers less than this. So uh i think the receivers should get open and as long as browning doesn't kind of like so as Derek carr you know keep gotta keep gotta keep pointing out every time you blitz against that guy he just like freezes and starts playing hot potato he just starts playing like not my problem kind of football and if jake browning has that same like 
cowardly fainting goat trigger in him, then I, I worry about him blowing it for the same reason. But as long as he doesn't scare easy, those guys are going to get open, I think. I, I think so, too. So I actually very much like the Bengals in this game. The, this has to be such like a weird spot to be in in your headspace if you're a Bengals fan, where it's like the season effectively ends when Joe Burrow goes out. But the rest of the AFC is so wide open and you've gotten like some some key wins. You, you beat the Jaguars. You, you beat Indianapolis last week, like another couple of teams that are in the hunt or in very good position to make the playoffs. And you're like, why don't we just get in the dance and see what happens? You know, like well, they, I think that has to be the mindset. Yeah. And I think at this point they have an interest in juicing Browning's numbers as much as possible, because in this stupid league, if you if you get like five good games out of Browning, I bet they can flip them for like a second round pick, like a top 40 pick. I'm not saying that makes any sense, but this is a stupid league run by people who mostly get their jobs because of who their dads are, or who they worked for like 20 years ago or whatever. See, exactly. So we, we've seen dumber trades that, than that. I mean, we we've seen Matt Flynn bilk the, the Seattle like Seahawks one, game, of one game. Yeah, just one. So. So. Browning's already there. He's already it's like, can he do more? Uh, is is he going to be more than that, or is he is he going to merely be that? I think exactly. Um, moving be beyond that, um, we do have one question, not related to this game, lightly related to the Thursday game, though. Who would you start this week, Olave or Devonte Adams? Well, I guess we got to keep an eye on that injury situation for Adams to 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 know or the the illness. Sorry, um, but if Adams is in. Um, sorry. That, what, what was the other option I, I was meant to load? Uh, Chris Olave against the Olave. Giants. I don't know, man. Um, how I, is Olave getting something crazy like fourteen targets a game again? At least uh, I, I'm not expecting efficiency. I hate that offense so much. Um, no, I I think I'd have to go with Adams if he's in. Uh not the easiest call ever the similar category of player you know high volume high ability receiver with with terrible surrounding details but uh particularly if jacobs is out or and it looks like he'll at least be limited but particularly if he's out i would have probably trouble sitting adams yeah it's probably the the big adams night and olave for the record did not practice wednesday due to an ankle issue so i think there there you go Adams, I think, can can play with the with the cold versus uh, Olave being slightly hampered with, with that ankle. Um, let's get on to Saturday afternoon. We've got the Steelers and the Colts. We've got the Colts setting in as one and a half point favorites. Um, I think my pick for this game would be the Steelers just because they're underdogs. Again, they, they clearly are terrible uh, <laughs> when, when they're favored. But, yeah. uh, you know, th this is do or die time. For them, this is not cutting time for the for the Steelers. I mean, you lose two gimme games, all of a sudden, like you, you're in deep trouble uh, as far as your your playoff uh, hopes are concerned. Yeah, uh, sorry to have to ask, but do you know was there any initial uh, suspicion of whether Watt and Highsmith are likely to get cleared from their concussions? Uh, they were both in practice. Watt as a full participant most recently, uh, but Highsmith only limited, which I guess. Conventionally, you might you might think like, well, Watts got a better chance of getting cleared than Highsmith, but I, I don't know whether there's anything to uh, know in either case. Um, but I guess uh, if those guys are, I hate to have to say it this way, but you know, if those guys are out, I barely see that as the Steelers' defense anymore. So mm -hmm. if if those guys are out, that that kind of changes a lot. But 
Man, I want to pick the Steelers for all those reasons you said, John, but is is it going to be Trubisky again? Like it, it's oh, yeah. Trubisky, isn't it? So It sure is. I just don't know at this point what evidence there is that he is as good as Mason Rudolph. You know, I I, I don't think Rudolph is good at all. I, I think um, it also wouldn't be shocking if they were like, yeah, he's better, but everybody hates him, so we can't really pick him. We're just we're just hoping some other team gets us a comp pick when he's finally off the books for us. But if they're trying to compete, I feel like Rudolph is clearly better. I mean, as a passer, he definitely is. There's just there's no serious question about that. So, uh, yeah, if it's if it's Mitch, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for Mike Tomlin, but I, I guess if I'm, I'm reducing this game, it, it would be something to like uh, something like Gardner Minshew and Shane Steichen versus Mike Tomlin and Mitchell Trubisky and. I don't know if there's anybody you could name in Mike Tomlin's place that would make me get over the Trubisky part, you know, to balance the scales. Like I just, Mike McDaniel doesn't matter. Don't, don't care. Just, I can't, I can't see Mitch Trubisky. Every play with Mitch Trubisky, John reminds me of uh, the Gus Ferrat wall celebration. So like, every play looks like that. Like it's just, that's how he plays football. Just like lowering his head and running into things over and over. It drives me crazy. I uh, can't stand to watch anymore. Of it. <laughs> no, it, it's awful. It it makes, you know, like I feel like people are, people get on George Pickens for being very animated on, on the sidelines. I feel he's like, right. Yeah. Like he, he's, he's speak, virtuous. He's saying what all the Steelers fans and fantasy managers are thinking. Like we're, we're just tired of this nonsense. It's so gross. Yeah. Uh, anybody, anybody criticizing Pickens can, uh, you know, um, but that's, uh, also not, not to entirely, uh, be joking about it, but Deontay Johnson, I noticed was, um, not practicing yesterday with the knee injury. So I don't know if that was like a maintenance kind of thing, but I guess we got to keep an eye on that. Um, but yeah, with it's, it's, a uh, it's no, no, no small part of the, uh, Trubisky frustration is just watching Pickens and Johnson just kind of being open all the time. And it's just some, it's like, there's this guy with drunk goggles, just throwing it in the dirt at them and just crazy to watch this offense, try to run with Mitch. Uh, but yeah, Pickens, Pickens is the man, him and, and Johnson are getting open. Uh, definitely isn't their fault. And uh, honestly, if, if someone is brave enough and, and, otherwise insulated from the repercussions enough to as George Pickens might be as a second round pick with, with obviously a lot of talent. If, if, if someone like him can speak up and say criticisms of the GM or whatever, that the coach does not feel safe to say that, then that's all that much more good on Pickens. He's uh he's being a lightning rod for a lot of people when he does that. No, exactly. So we'd love, we'd love to, to see that. Um, I feel like the, Criticism of him generally is is usually like a, a good sign. Yeah, it's a good Rorschach test of who's a who's a freaking loser, dude. Um, but uh, beyond that, um, McGill Gorilla has a good question. Zach Moss has obviously been really chalky the last couple of weeks, and it's hard to take him out of your starting lineup. You know, if if Jonathan Taylor is not playing, but can you trust him this week? Um. In so far as you can trust pretty much any player, I think like it's um, the Titans game aside, you know, he's, he's had a, or sorry, um, the Titans game was like a perfectly good excuse for, for not really producing like the run defense for years has been really tough. And uh, that's, that's just understandable that he would struggle against them. The Bengals admittedly, there's less of an excuse for it, 
but weird things happen you know in 50 snap samples just wacky wacky stuff can happen and they were they were down for a lot of that game you know by a lot yeah, and honestly, you can look at that first Titans game of an, as an example of this. I mean, he had 165 yards and two touchdowns on 23 carries against the Titans and 49 snaps. And, um, like, he, he did a great job, and I think Matt Moss is a good player, but those numbers didn't happen because he was that good. It was just a, a weird thing. And similarly, I think this Bengals game, it's like, I wish, yeah, he had done better than 28 yards on 13 carries, but that he only did that doesn't mean a whole lot to me. It's just 13 carries. So, um, uh, I think with Pittsburgh, particularly with Trubisky at quarterback, my God, uh, the Colts are going to have plenty of time to run it. Like they're not going to have to play catch up and limit Moss to 13 carries. I'd be pretty shocked if Moss doesn't get to at least 18 carries in this game. And if, if I had to bet the over or if I had to bet the over under, I would say over even that number. So um, the Steelers defense, I, I don't have a great sense of their run defense abilities. Like it strikes me as kind of a, average to competent but moss is a guy who who kind of thrives with a volume workload like he uh not durability wise maybe but he he definitely grinds down a defense over the course of a game and if he holds up physically like he's he's prepared to uh you know run that kind of distance take on that kind of burden so i think this is a, even though it's not so obvious how he breaks through the defense the likelihood of a really big workload uh you know a, a, an outcome i think made more likely by the Trubisky factor that the the unlikely chances of the Steelers putting up points and forcing the Colts to abandon the run. So uh, yeah, I, I would sooner say big bounce back game from Moss here. All right. So toss up probably this applies to a decent amount of people that are still alive this week. Would you start Moss or Jalen Warren? Moss. I mean, he's, I just think he's, he could get twice as many carries. And the better setup generally in better yeah. player, but uh, yeah, I, I know how that goes when you can't 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 offer any uh, cautionary details about Jalen Warren without people getting really pissed off. At you. Oh yeah, I'm 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 seething uh, as we speak right now. I can't believe you. You, say spe- you especially, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, let's see. Um, beyond that, um, you know, say you're playing the full Saturday DFS slate. I I, I want to frame some of the rest of these Saturday games through, through this lens a little bit, any sicko plays that, that you, you would consider for your lineup for, from say all three games, the, the, the last one being the, uh, the Denver lions game. Sicko play. Uh, do we have like from, a, a from this sicko line that we have uh, to choose below? Uh, let's, let's call it for, for a receiver running back 4,200 or less on DraftKings. Well, um, no Steelers in that category. They're expensive, and the quarterback is Mitch Trubisky. Mm. Uh, Colts, uh, uh, Pittman and Downs I like enough, but they cost too much to qualify. I guess someone like maybe from that Denver game. It, it, I, I forgot to look at what the, the Broncos have done the last couple weeks, but uh, Mims, if he's – if Mims is given a shot, I would like him, especially in a dome against those corners. I know they can't run with him at all, but uh, more realistically, more more like uh, cash game viable, I guess, would be maybe Josh Reynolds. He's not hurt, right? Um, I'm not sure, but but well, let's say this. All right, so Josh we, Reynolds. We have, we have sufficiently covered Indianapolis Pittsburgh. We are on now to the Denver Detroit game. 
Um, we will pick that that back up momentarily, but we do have the Broncos going to Denver in the nightcap. We got the Lions sitting as four-point favorites. The Lions just got beat up pretty soundly yeah. by the Chicago Bears last week. They do return home. That definitely helps. I like the Broncos to win this one outright. I'm a little bit confused by the line, which makes me anxious. Fair enough. Let's see. So there's not any obvious insight into where the outsized bets are for this game, right? Like I'm, I'm looking, it's like the little bit of the public on the Broncos and then the line goes, a li- I guess, a little bit more money on the on the Lions per bet then. Uh, I lean the Lions here. The four points, four and a half points, I guess, is another question. But uh, I think you're totally right to be worried about them just you know blowing the game maybe maybe every other game this year for all i know but uh i think is as much as the lions have disappointed even me you know i I thought they were overrated back in september but i i didn't expect them to almost blow it to the bears twice and actually blow it once so this this is a a little bit concerning but I, i still think particularly the the on the road bears game it was understandable that they'd lose it uh, the Packers won also, I guess I have a tougher excuse for uh, those those games. I guess you could just pin on Goff, basically, especially since he didn't do his part coming through at home. But even as a goof hater, I think that when he has multiple bad games at home like this in a row, he, if only for kind of like dumb luck reasons, is probably likely to, to stumble into some better numbers. Ben Johnson, too, is not going to stay down forever. I mean, he... He probably has not done as well with his game plans in recent weeks as he did earlier in the year and as as much as he normally does. So I think you can see, you know, a a suspiciously low uh, batting average and balls in play for for both of those guys going into this game. And Denver's a tougher team than I expected them to be, especially after how they looked in September. But they I, I feel like the kind of team that hurts the Lions the most is one that can kind of get a lead on them. And the Bears would not normally qualify, you know, on the short list of candidates for that. But sure, it's it's still, I think, tough for, for me to to imagine the Broncos like getting into a lead where Goff has to play off script and play in an uncomfortable setting. And I, I feel like the run game should be rolling here. I think this should be as comfortable as a game of a game as Goff has had in something like two months. So. I think that even though the, the Lions were overrated back in September, that they're still, in my opinion, not bad enough to to blow this many games in such a short amount of time, and especially with with one, uh, three, I guess, as it were, being at home. I, I don't. I have some lingering feeling that the Lions somehow might fumble the division bag. Like, I, totally fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, offer any like reassurance that the Lions can't screw it up because they're that good it's more like i don't know it, they're at home against the broncos here <laughs> that's, that's right. where i'm leaning and and i do don't get me wrong i like the Lions and i like dan campbell so there's probably two that wants them to win and maybe that's why i'm leaning that way i don't know i mean i i get it and objectively if the lions play their best game it's definitely better than what denver has but denver has you know a way of dragging teams down a little bit they've played better over the last you know month and a half or so um, you know, getting off the mat after being one and five is, you know, pretty impressive in its own right. I, you know, don't give them a ton of credit for for last weekend's game as the Chargers, but, uh, you know, I thought they hung in there nicely against the Texans. I don't know. I think that they're some in total, like playing a better brand of ball right this second uh, than Detroit is. I know Detroit being at home certainly 
helps steer things. I, I at the very least like the Broncos to, to keep this to a field goal. So I like them against the spread, but um, I don't know. I'm, I got to push back on that one. I mean, I, I think the, Bron- the Broncos, the style of play that they have, even when they win, it's almost necessarily a close game. Like they being a lesser team personnel wise, they want it to come down to a coin flip if they can reduce it to that, because they know that, you know, the, the longer the game goes, the more their lack of firepower is going to show. So mm-hmm. even if the Lions managed to win, I wouldn't quite want to take the over on four and a half. Yeah. I, same here. Same here. Um, and then let's see. Uh, can we briefly get a, a, a pulse check on, on Jerry Judy? What do we what do we do with that guy? <laughs> I don't think the offense really uses him at this point. That, that's kind of um, that's part of what I meant uh, when we talk about giving cover to Russell Wilson and hiding Russell Wilson. Uh, running an offense such that you can win a game without making Russell Wilson throw more passes than he can get away with. Part of stripping down that that rollout entailed basically removing some of the uh, amb- more ambitious details of the passing games from even last year with Hackett. You know, it's like they they made it a priority to get Judy going basically more than they understood it as a the priority being getting Russell Wilson going like they thought they were the same thing they thought we got to get Jerry Judy going and then the numbers will all add up with Wilson whereas the reality was and as Pete Carroll knew like you actually have to reduce the the passing ambitions of this offense or you will overexpose Russell Wilson and Sean Payton has learned that that's why they try to keep him at 25 pass attempts a game if at all possible and to have the the necessary run blocking personnel in place on the field to to run the ball that much that 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 high of a share of your offense to go to the run game you necessarily have to remove so many of the play packages that Jerry Judy otherwise draws targets so reliably like if they, if they run plays where Judy can get targets uh which is to say a setup any more simple any more uh, complicated than basically like drop back find Sutton just chuck it at him you know that's the offense right now and that's all Wilson really can do without kind of falling apart and i think if they they started spreading things out more and throwing the ball more like last year trying to get judy going he'd probably have better he would have better numbers to show for it in fantasy he'd be useful but russell wilson would be turning the ball over four times as much right so for for a uh, it's a cut off your nose to save your face type of type of thing uh i still think he'll be productive on another team but definitely not any russell wilson team at least not like while Cortland sutton is there look uh I stacked the the Broncos a little bit last week in one of my lineups and uh, get the foot down, Jerry, get the foot down. Not a complete player. Just um, he's one who is so elusive. I think he'll always be able to draw targets rapidly. Kind of, I don't know, like Deontay Johnson mold of player, I guess. Um, Not a true number one, but some team that throws the ball a lot, I do think will have a use for him as like a, you know, uh, wide receiver two type uh, down the road. Not this year though. There's no hope this year. Nope. Abandon it. Um, then uh, I mentioned how Saturday's a good day for tight ends. Uh, I think it's a great setup for Laporta. Um, the yeah. Denver, great corner personnel, at least at one spot, but uh, they, they've been leaking tons of production to tight ends. I think this sets up really nice for you, nicely for Laporta. Yeah. Part of why I'm able to rationalize, uh, you know, getting over the goof factor is that I just look, like Amon Ross St. Brown, really good matchup. Uh, I guess that that ECU corner, McMillian, he's been pretty good, but I, I give the benefit of the doubt to St. Brown there. And if Laporta is also rolling, it's like those two guys on a good game, 
uh, what would it by their standards is a good game. You're at 180 yards right there. And then you only need like 50 combined between, you know, Reynolds and Gibbs and whoever else to, to get Goff into a place where they're, I think, rolling as an offense. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I could also just as easily say if Laporta doesn't have a good game, then I do become pretty worried about the Lions winning. And then rounding out our kind of slap together sicko ideas for, for Saturday's DFS purposes, uh, Josh Reynolds was limited with a back injury on right. Wednesday. Oh, it's so annoying. <clears throat> I don't have an so, answer anymore. <laughs> JMO for 3,400 instead. I, I guess JMO or Mims, but I, I, oh, right. I meant to look that up. Um, uh, Mims is 32. Right. Uh, I meant to see if he's getting, uh, I guess he's been. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say Mims. Uh, I guess him and JMO are largely the same proposition, but I, I guess uh, in in Mims's case, I just I just kind of I like the the speed threat against the Lions' corners. That's specifically their issue, and uh, I, I think if there's a, t- a case where Mims can really just pants the defense, it's probably these guys. I'd love to see it. A bunch of my dead best ball teams would also love to see it, but. Uh, that's, a, that's a story for another day when we re- recap our, our best ball uh, seasons uh, after the regular season. Um, let's get on to Sunday. Before then, we got a message from a couple of our sponsors. We got our new friends over at Odds Are. Are you ready to revolutionize your sports betting approach? Begin with a two-week free trial at Odds Are, where cutting-edge AI technology sharpens your edge in the betting game. Benefit from our proven two-year track record, boasting 60% accuracy rate and an impressive 10% ROI. The odds are AI meticulously sifts through extensive data to reveal high-value, green-value plays, guiding you towards smarter betting decisions. And it's not just about the numbers. The odds are app is exceptionally user-friendly, crafted to be your go-to betting advisor right at your fingertips. Jumpstart your journey to being a, to betting smarter and more successfully. Simply visit the iOS or Google Play Store, download the Odds Are app, and step into a world of confident betting. Your path to a more strategic betting experience starts with our two-week free trial download today, where smart strategy triumphs over luck. We also got a message from our friends over at Splash. Redwire is proud to partner with Splash Sports for the 2023 fantasy football season. Splash Sports empowers gaming commissioners to earn by creating contests. Commissioners can set up contests at their style and enjoy the evolving Splash Sports platform for customized preferences. From daily to season-long contests, Splash Sports caters to various playing styles such as DFS, Pickax, and traditional Survivor. Unlike traditional sports, but Splash Sports pits you against your friends and family, not the house. Splash goes beyond a uh, betting, uh, a space where friends can connect, strategize, and share in the excitement of sports. Redwire will be running weekly DFS tiers contests on Splash Sports all season. Can you beat the Redwire experts? Visit redwire.com slash splash to enter today. All right. Sunday. Got a lot of games to cover, Mario. Let's uh, let's get them rolling. We got the Falcons and the Panthers. Falcons three-point favorites on the road. Falcons often pretty funny. Yeah. Pretty I mean, the whole game, game is, is funny. Um, yeah. What, what are we doing here? Uh, I would pick the Falcons to win because they're not the Panthers, but that's admittedly pretty flimsy basis. I see the outsized bets are on the Panthers, so that's concerning. But uh, I can't remember the last time a team played with a quarterback producing as poorly as uh, you'd have to go back to probably like Ryan Leaf's rookie year or something like that to find a quarterback producing as poorly as Bryce Young. 
And uh, love the defense, love the defensive coordinator, I should say. But I don't know that I, I just I, the, they are playing a bourbon bowl offense in Carolina. I, and I don't know. I don't like it. It's yeah, it's hard to watch. They're a bummer to watch, really. Um, on the Falcons side, Drake London had the huge game last week. Kyle Pitts had the touchdown. Does lightning strike twice? Well, I think the problem with Pitts is there is structurally no coherent way for the Arthur Smith offense to feature him. Like the Arthur Smith offense, it turns out, just doesn't use tight ends that way. And uh, that's something that can only be fixed by having a quarterback who can throw for enough volume to sort of just create room for Pitts on that basis. Because the structure, there's nothing there. Like I don't doubt that Arthur has been trying to get Pitts going but can't figure it out. But that is the case either way. Whereas London uh, being a receiver, it, it's easier, I think for him to kind of uh, stay involved structurally. Like, like there's no, um, there's nothing particular you need to do to help London draw a target. Like he's, he's awesome. in for a lot of reasons, but w- one of the main ones is that he can just do any kind of receiver task. Like, I guess he's not really a downfield guy, but he's so unbelievably good at landing just jabs from any situation. Like he just, he just lose lose corners, especially for how big he is. The way he eludes people is is pretty crazy. So, um, whereas my concern with Pitts is that he needs a a dialed up play action look that lands and is executed perfectly to, to get kind of like rolling in a game. London only really needs uh, Ritter to get to 125, 150 yards, and I feel like that necessarily can only happen almost always with London doing, you know, upwards of half of the lifting. So uh, I, I still think Pitts is an awesome player. I, I, I believe it or not need a lot more uh, evidence against him before I'll move on this, that rookie year in his, his college career that kind of uh, settles it to me for the indefinite future. But Arthur Smith in the meantime is an obstacle. I don't think Pitts can get over, not with that quarterback anyway. No, I I don't think so either. So, um, you know, it's going to continue to be, uh, miniature spike weeks from pits followed by, you know, weeks where we get disappointed. So that, that probably is the case. Uh, our guy, Nick Whalen kind of unprompted sent it, sent me that a, uh, a picture of the forecast for Charlotte on Sunday. It looks like it's going to be a little chilly and a lot rainy on, on, on Sunday. Huh, interesting. I guess I just, I don't know. Uh, does that hurt either team more than the other? I don't know that it does. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I would imagine that it somewhat, you know, hurts our expectations for the, the Falcons passing game. Like you, you, you can still expect like Drake London to get going, but it's probably not going to be a, a, everyone is, is eating like kind of guess, the way it was last week. Yeah. I guess it doesn't hurt the Falcons just for the fact that they might have been able to throw for 150 yards and now they might not be able to, whereas the Panthers wouldn't have been able to either way. Nope. Nope. Absolutely not. And then uh McGill Gorilla notes that it's Bijan. It's Bijan is going to feast. That's Bijan. where my head went. That's where that's kind of, I, I think it might take a little volume, but I think they'll get the opportunity for volume. And if, if Arthur is particularly sharp, if we get sharp Arthur in this one, I actually think that it makes a lot of sense to get those early uh, early game carries to Algier just to tenderize the defense and then make it a priority to get 20 to B. John. And I think you'll and again, this should be an option because it's not like Bryce Young is going to air it out and put, you know, hang 10 on the board and make them uh, catch up from that point. 
they should have the luxury of running both of those running backs 10 plus times and yeah hopefully closer to 20 in the case of robinson yeah so we have Bijan ranked as rb5 this week i tend to agree um let's go bears browns sneaky interesting game the bears playing a much better brand of football over the last month uh bears fans like to note that they are five and four in their last nine um hang the banner <laughs> um but but beyond that um you know joe flacco playing well for, for the browns get, gets the win last week um against the jags the jags obviously made a ton of mistakes in that game but joe flacco for his own part did not make many mistakes and he hit a long touchdown to david bell so yeah that was a busted coverage, right? It I was. It was. It was, that was the David Joker Bell needs. But yeah, uh, anytime David Bell, that had to be his first touchdown, right? That'd be his first catch over like six yards in the NFL. Um, yep. So yeah, David Bell, uh, good to see him. I mean, I, I got nothing against the guy. It just, just kind of seems like he was a college only kind of uh, player. <clears throat> Joe mm-hmm. Flacco is a weird one to think through because in general he's not very good and even these these good games of his he's he's not really been that good but a he has been a lot better than the i i I wouldn't say he was better than watson was but he's so much better than you know pj walker and dorian thompson robinson that it's it's had a profound effect on the browns and their ability to compete because you know, it's, they should have been a pretty easily competitive team. It, it shouldn't have been so difficult. It, it probably wouldn't have been so difficult if Watson hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, but going, yeah, going to Flacco has, um, because they have so much kind of support, I would say their offensive line is good. You know, Cooper and I guess to a lesser extent, more, more so in Joku, I guess they're, they're getting a chance to get kind of easy basically competent targets for the first time all year. And you're sort of just seeing this. It's like everything just got easier all of a sudden. And I guess that's mostly on the basis of Flacco making better decisions. Like his throws have been kind of crap, but he's, he's not really, he's not doing just inexplicable things or, or throwing into triple coverage and stuff like that. And that it's turned out to be a, a major improvement for the Browns. So uh, if their defense, especially if it can get to kind of the way it was the, the first half of the year and injuries have, have definitely complicated that, uh, they could be a legitimately dangerous playoff team in this in 2023 with, with, you know, we got three good teams this year. The Browns in that kind of environment actually are, are pretty dangerous. I think going into the playoffs, I do too. Like I, I as a Ravens fan, uh, I, have, I have concerns about Joe Flacco playing, playing in Baltimore. Um, uh, I don't know that in the Browns. I mean, they, they, they beat the Ravens uh, back in Baltimore a couple weeks ago. Something I kind of like about Cleveland um, right now and, and going forward, they're kind of bullies, like, especially like the defense we, we know is good, but like the offense, like they just got big guys. Like they got Njoku, big guy. Uh, they, they got Amari Cooper, big guy. Uh, Cedric Tillman. Like, he's just kind of a bruiser out there. I, I, I like watching him play. I always liked him. Uh, at Tennessee as well. I felt like we could have been talking about Cedric Tillman a lot more, if not for that ankle injury his last year at Tennessee, but uh, I'm happy to see him start to get some reps. So like they, they just like, they're just bigger dudes that, than most of the teams are going against. And therefore like, uh, you know, it's you know, oftentimes if you're not up to that physicality challenge, like the Browns can definitely get the best of you. 
Yeah, as much as I haven't been a fan of Kareem Hunt in this offense, I guess I should appreciate that they've had the role for him that they've had because you can tell they they were like, we got to get somebody carries between the tackles just so our our offensive line can kind of lean on the defense a little bit. And uh, keeping in mind, which is to say they're basically, they're keeping in mind the physicality aspect of uh, how to set up a defense. And a lot of coaches, certainly a lot of analysts, I think have lost sight of that. And, and they, it's like, it's like Kevin Stefanski took, took like a, a summer class from Pete Carroll, you know, on how to deal with Russell Wilson. And he was like, you know, you got to you got to run between the tackles a certain amount if you want to get the defense and the builds that you want them in to, to, to expose these other weaknesses. And it's like they, they've kind of come to understand Hunt as like a placeholder toward that end, even though I think they and I, I criticized them before about not getting Jerome Ford the ball enough. But I, I think watching them more and more, they have specifically made the effort to get Ford like the high value touches, which or I should say, like the important touches. Uh, it's like when when they're like, okay, we got we need these yards. They'll go to Ford. Whereas when they're like, it's second and two, you know, put Hunt in. We, yeah, we don't, we don't need four. Yeah. So I mean that they're mixing and matching, making it work. I mean the fact that they've, you know, they they got poor play out of Watson to start the season. Then he starts playing well. Then he gets hurt, and they're still in this position. I like I kind of give it up to the Browns. Like it, I'm I'm impressed by them. But, you know, the Bears, again, you know, I, I was very underhanded with my compliment of them earlier, but they have been playing, uh, you know, better. They, they beat the Vikings on that Monday night game. They, they come out last week and really kind of took it to the Lions. Um, you know, did, what kind of threat did they pose in this setup? Or, or is this something where, like, you know, the Browns, by virtue of being at home where, where they are, very, very tough? Is this just going to be a little bit too much of a, of a tough setup for the, for the Bears to have any success? Do we know if DJ Moore's ankle thing is any actual concern? Like, let's see. It's, uh, I, I got all the fantasy notifications yesterday that, you know, DJ Moore uh, is now questionable. I'm like, oh, no. So apparently well, he twisted he, his ankle. Yeah, that that was in the game, though, and he played 60 snaps. So I don't, I don't doubt that the, the ankle kind of swelled on him after that game, and maybe they're still working it off. But, yeah, I ho- hopefully I'm not jinxing Moore when I say I, I, I figure he's okay. Because uh, if he weren't, I feel like we would have heard, you know, the the high ankle sprain fear, or at least the team would have had to have addressed it or something. And hopefully I'm not jinxing the guy by saying a normal ankle roll or at least one that he could play through like he did. Maybe maybe we can assume the swelling will get under control in time. So hopefully because, yeah, uh, he is, you know, aside from fields, he is the Bears offense as we know it. And they have surprising amount of difficulty getting anyone else to, to produce. So uh, I like fields. I, I think I hate to give some, I, I don't mean to give credence to a credibility or whatever, to some of his critics when they, when they talk, when they gripe so much about him getting through reads or whatever, I think they're fundamentally misunderstanding what's happening. I think he's getting through his reads fine. I think he's just kind of, he's not making himself move fast enough. Uh, but yeah, he's still really accurate. He still makes a, lo- a number of crazy throws. His elusiveness uh, from the pocket is something that the Bears quite simply need with this offensive line of theirs. Um, so he's he's dangerous. It's just, but he he does need fields. Or sorry, he need, he needs uh, more out there at the very least. And uh, this is a tough corner matchup. Like if DJ Moore can get rolling here, we officially have to call him matchup proof because even if Denzel Ward isn't in this one, I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns kind of just say to Greg Newsom, like, 
you know, we're not going to do this most weeks, but you're following DJ Moore because their number two receiver is, uh, well, I guess it would be Mooney, but uh, it's like Cameron Equinemia St. Brown. It's Cole Kmet, I guess. So, uh, yeah, don't don't want Greg Newsom covering like, you know, Tyler Scott and Equinemia St. Brown. Okay. All right. So that a little game within the game to, to keep track of um, our, our loyal listener and, and uh, live viewer uh, master. He's got a tough one. None of these guys, I, I did the search on our, on our flex rankings. None of these guys are in our top 100. So we're, we're, we're going a little bit, bit of the deeper dive here, but pick two of the following four, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jahan Dotson, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, or Antonio Gibson. If Brian Robinson is out. Sorry, what was the latest with uh, Robinson? I did not know the, the situation. Uh, it, what you you are not not staying all over the Brian? Robinson I just assumed contest. he was going to run for 150 <laughs> yards. I didn't know there was anything going on. <laughs> so uh, no practice on Wednesday due to that hamstring. So it looks pretty good for Gibson. It, uh, we we think. <sighs> yeah, that the, the tempting part for Gibson is the PPR part, especially because we expect the Rams to kind of. Uh, do a track meet on the Washington defense and Washington will throw for 45, throw 45 times in a game, just kind of on accident. You know, they don't need the catch up script to do it. So if Gibson were to get something like eight targets, this would not be a shot. This would be like the setting for it to occur, but you, you need Robinson out. So yeah, I think, well, one thing I could say is I definitely am not picking Edwards Hilaire against the Patriots defense. So it's probably between Dotson and Gibson and, I'll say Gibson if Robinson is out, but JSN I am also going with. All right, so lock in JSN, and then uh, yeah, Dotson or, or Gibbo, uh, depending on the uh, on the Brian Robinson detail. Uh, old pal, old producer, Mister BK himself, Bennett Carroll chimes <laughs> in. Fields is elite. You can admit it. All right, we we admit it. We're there. Fields is elite. Uh, Eighty grade, absolutely. Um, yes, um, I, 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 it's escaping me which uh, which eighty grade uh, White Sox prospect we, we could compare that to, but um, we'll we'll go ahead and, and scooch on. Um, let's go uh, Bucks Packers, a, an old NFC North clash or an NFC Central clash, right? The, the Battle of the Bays from, from back yeah, in the day. yeah, the Warren Sapp era. It, yep. So miss those times, but uh, we, we get it this week. The, the Packers at home. Uh, the Packers, huge letdown game on, on Monday night, of course. You know, almost touchdown yeah. favorites on the road against Tommy DeVito, and they lose outright. The Buccaneers, uh, exciting comeback win uh, here uh, against the Falcons. How are we looking for, for this one? We've got the Bucks checking in as three-and-a-half-point dogs. Okay. Um, sorry, this one is in Green Bay, right? Yes. Um, okay, so – I guess we got to keep an eye out for the weather. It's been a bit chilly in the, the northern states lately. There could be some uh, for Baker Mayfield specifically. There could be some concern if it gets cold enough because uh, I don't know. I <laughs> I guess it could it would apply to love too. I mean, love love is uh, uh, faces enough questions as a passer that he doesn't just get the benefit of the doubt in the cold. So that that could affect either passing game. If the weather's fine, then the weather's fine. Doesn't matter in that case. One or both of the quarterbacks could be pretty decent, more likely love, I think, if if the weather's okay. And the one reason is that the Buccaneers have a lot of injuries. Uh, it's Carlton Davis, if he's out, 
if Vita Vea is out, it would be really bad for the run defense, of course, of Buccaneers, but it would also help the Packers passing game, I think, because uh, like the Buccaneers wouldn't be able to uh, like when you got Vita Vea in the interior of, of your offensive line, you, you kind of feel comfortable as a defensive schemer just saying like, hey, Vita, just you deal with those three guys and now I'll focus on these other. Now you have to figure out like, OK, how am I going to deal with those three guys? I only have I'm going to need at least two people to do it. And I have to kind of renegotiate the rest of my defensive structure as a result. So no Vita Vea would be big. Carlton Davis being out would be big. And if, especially if both of those guys are out, uh, even with Jamel Dean probably coming back, I think those Packers receivers c- could be a bit challenging for the Buccaneers. Uh, Jaden Reed in particular is getting to the point where I know some of it was rushing production and you can't really bank on that stuff in my opinion, but it's nice to see that when the passing game isn't going for the Packers, that they can get Reed going as a runner because in the days where they do get the passing game going, it's almost always in large part because of Reed being there as like maybe the main driver of it. Uh, I don't have a great sense of how that Christian Ezian, the, the Rutgers corner has done since September or so, but he, he started the season. Okay. He's definitely a good athlete. He was a productive experienced player at Rutgers, but I would still give the advantage to Jaden Reed in that matchup. And uh, I think Dobbs, Wicks, they can probably get lateral against Dean if they need to. And if uh, they're going against uh, Zion McCollum or whoever like that, they can they can probably get something going there. So I feel like Love should have some guys open. And that might, to be fair to him, that probably wasn't the case that much against the Giants. Like the Giants defense has gotten better lately and their corners especially have gotten better lately. Like they're their uh, loadout to start the year had been a problem. Adoree Jackson got hurt early, and then they were pretty much just leaking water at basically all three corner spots. Lately, they've gotten it together, and I think that this will be an easier matchup for Love. And then looking a little bit more long-term, Matt wants to know, you know, a little bit of a temperature check on on Christian Watson long-term. Well, uh there's certain frustrating details about him and it kind of uh, invites more frustration all the time because he's also got the tempting details that sort of lure you in to, to, to kind of getting into these trap situations. And it's going to be like any injury prone guy with, with, you know, tantalizing big playability, it's going to be really difficult to, you know, have them in your lineup at the right time. And it's, it's going to be really easy to have bench points with them. So uh, that that's even if he's playing and in Watson's case, there's a, I hate to say like, it's a, there's a pretty uniquely concerning injury history there. Uh, he is a guy who has had leg and specifically knee problems going back to, you know, years ago, something like four or five years ago. And, uh, you know, he is a freakish athlete. You know, he does, he does put strain on like his hamstrings and his knee ligaments in a way that other people don't because humans aren't supposed to be that, big and fast at the same time so uh yeah i, I kind of like darren waller breaking down you know i worry that watson's kind of in that sort of mode to start his career yeah so i mean what you described there is like my kind of kryptonite um for for analyzing players for, for dynasty or, or looking uh for you know buy low opportunities and drafts uh the following year after after they, they flop a little bit um now that i'm fairly convinced that the Packers will have a, pa- a healthy passing offense going forward. I don't know. I'm still going to be in on Christian Watson. There's just kind of no way around it. I'm just going to have to live with the the frustrating week to week injury, lower body stuff. It will, no matter what else is the case too. Um, he is worth something at some price, you know, like, I, I don't mean like you have to swear off of him or, uh, 
dive in. If the price gets too low, if a person in a dynasty league is getting too low on him, definitely, you know, be the team to to take him rather than letting somebody else get him for too cheap. Um, it, it's it's only like the, the the sense of disappointment with him is all within the context, right, of him being like a fourth round pick in the ADP for fantasy purposes. But right. if you're getting him much cheaper, the facts that you know the assumptions that he might be inconsistent is something that you're more able to afford. It's more built into the structure of your team. There you go. So what well said there. Um, let's uh, let's move on then to. Jets, Dolphins, Jets offense showed a pulse last week. Dolphins, uh, interesting way of uh, juicing up Tyree Kill's MVP case, but they did. Um, what, what do you think uh, is going on here with the Dolphins eight and a half point favorites? Well, uh, do you think they really helped his Hall of uh, sorry, his, uh, MVP case? Because uh, I feel like people are going to hold it against him for not having the numbers now. Well, the, well, I was just saying they look like crap without him. So, oh yes, he is the MVP. I mean, it's just it's such a politicized subject now because there's this vast group of interests now that are like, we have to make it a quarterback. It has to be math, which we speak on behalf of, says it has to be a quarterback. And like they don't, they they have a axe to grind against the candidacy of Tyreek. So I was I was really let down when he when he got hurt in that game. I was like, oh god. Ugh. It was supposed to be, this was supposed to be it. We were going to have the wide receiver win it because um, I thought that case to make was pretty clear even before the injury. But yeah, once that injury happened, it became really painfully optically clear that like, oh, right. They become a bad offense when they don't have Tyree <laughs> kill. And it's, it's not really like all their fault. It's you can only build so much of a team at once. And they were, I think overall, they're a team that's further along and it's rebuilding than anyone would have expected when they hired Mike McDaniel. But uh yeah, without taking an opinion either way on what it means as far as what Tua is, the budgeting for the offense doesn't work unless you have Tyreek Hill on pace for like two thousand yards. Like the whole the whole thing is kind of a just a bunk theory at that point. Yeah, I I mean I agree. We all saw it on, on Monday, and you know it really wild wacky game as far as like if you had yeah. uh, betting spread interests on it because you. At no point did the if you had the Dolphins, did you deserve to win that one, right? And then they're up two touchdowns with two minutes left, and you're like, "Wow, I'm gonna escape with like stolen money here." And then things recorrected, and you know the the Titans ended up winning. And once the Titans scored that first touchdown and got the two, I was like, I, I texted Nick because we we share a uh, or I consult on a uh, on a super contest uh, ticket o- over at Circa with, with him, and we had the Dolphins. And, it, and once that touchdown went in, I was like, you know what? I just hope the Dolphins lose. They deserve to lose. They play bad. And uh, it felt, yeah, it felt like them and the Titans both lost like four times each in that game. Yep. I remember, I remember just, I, I looked away for like five minutes and I looked back up and I was like, what the hell is even going on anymore? I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember what the stakes of this game even are. Oh, right. Tyree kills her. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird game. It, it, it's a noisy game as a result. Uh, the, 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 the flow of that game is not something you can recreate in a lab setting, but, uh, I think that if Tyreek Hill is out there and I don't know, by the way, what to expect about that. That was, that was obviously like a gnarly, uh, injury that he took. Like it, if it is a one week ankle sprain, I'd imagine it's still like a difficult one that he's going to be kind of like a game time decision with and probably will be limited if he plays with it. So 
that's a lot to worry about when so much of the offense depends on him. It's almost like a one pillar offense, but man, going against the stupid jets. And I know Zach Wilson had a good game last week, but there's a lot of yak in there. There's a lot of luck in there, uh, short fields in there. So granted, if, if, if Tua doesn't have Tyreek or if Tyreek is not himself, then I guess the dolphins run a similar risk. I mean, the Texans passing game, of course, uh, elite, before they ran into the jets and uh yeah Tua Tua did not play in either of the jets games last year but the dolphins uh struggled of course with mike white and uh yeah this jets defense it's it's the real deal there's a lot to worry about with them yeah i i like the the jets getting that many points um you know these two squared off a couple weeks ago that was a tim boyle game on on black friday and everything Um, that is a lot of points it's just too many points. It's just too many points. Yeah. It, it, I think even if Tyreek plays, you know, to your point, um, there's a pretty decent chance that he's not who we know Tyreek to be. And yeah. that just changed, that just changes everything. And, and so, um, but yeah, I, I think the jets can just kind of ugly this one up enough. Um, I do have an ax to grind with, with, um, fancy prognosticators on, on Twitter. Like it, it tells me so much that, um, you're just mad about Devin HM not getting the ball, but it's like, have you seen what Raheem Mostert has been doing this year? Like, why would they, why would they change it for your fantasy interests? Like I know HN like has the higher ceiling and, oh, and I missed this whole exciting. thing. I'm glad I, I did. I just, I hate being on Twitter during Dolphins games, specifically in standalone games when, when, you know, all the focus is on them and, and people just lose their minds about Devin Achan not getting red zone carries when it's like there's Raheem Mostert walking into the end zone again. What's the problem with that? Yeah, uh, it's safe to say I think that it's it probably afflicts most or all of us that uh, having a fantasy investment completely just snips our ability to reason. Like it just, yep. whatever part of our brain it is, like it's lobotomized now, and you're just you're just this screaming angry thing that wants the number to go up. And it's 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 frustrating, of course, when a team is especially when they're doing something that doesn't actually make sense, you know, when they're when they're hurting the team with the choice to use that usage. But as you said, Raheem Mostert's returns are I mean, they're not even that far off of a chance in in a per play basis. And he's played what, like four times as many snaps. So that's that's what. And also, I think there's a chance, you know, maybe I'm being a little too charitable with Mike McDaniel, who I. I am a fan of, and I, I tend to see things favorably with him. Maybe Mostert had a bigger workload in that game because they are specifically trying to give them like half days over the course of the year. Cause the game before a chain had 17 carries and I know Mostert's maybe his knee was a little more tweaked in that game, but in that game they gave a chain like twice as many carries as Mostert. And it makes sense that you would do it the exact opposite way. The next game, just, just as a workload management thing. Cause a chain, we already saw him get hurt he wasn't expected to get like a 12 carry game this year, let alone multiple games with over 17 carries. So if they wanted a chance to get like 18 carries a game or something, then they just want him to get hurt. They don't know it, but what they're asking for is for him to get hurt. And uh, it's, it's like complete failure to learn the Tony Pollard lesson, right? It's c- complete mm-hmm. failure to understand the dynamics of, of constructing a running game and an offense. And, uh, like you gotta you gotta let guys play to their physical abilities their their their, their strengths skill wise certainly but like you can't ask 
a guy who is light in the feet to go between the tackles 20 times. Or if you do, you better give him next week a light load, lighter load than that. Yeah. And again, Mostert, five yards of carry on almost 200 carries, 16 rushing touchdowns. Downward pressure, by the way, on his yards per carry. If, if he were running for eight touchdowns instead, he could be at like seven yards a carry. See? there. I mean, there we go. So, again, it, next time you, you think about uh, getting angry about Raheem Mostert getting the ball, um, just because you have Devin Achan on your team. Not like it was Jeff Wilson, you know? Yeah, but believe me, I have plenty of Achan, so, but Mostert is having a sick year. Just deal with it. Next year, it'll it'll look different. It, it'll be, you know, mostly the Achan show, I would have to imagine. Um, but uh, for, for this week, I mean, I'm, I would start either of them if I had them, but I'm not expecting oh, yeah. huge returns, um, not against the, the Jets' defense, especially if Tyreek is, is limited. So, again... I, I will like say it has to be one time. of them. One of mm-hmm. them has to make the big play for the Dolphins offense because I, I, Tua, even if he had Tyreek, can't really grind through this Jets defense. It's just too good. No, it, it really is. I mean, it, it, at like pretty much uh, every level. Um, let's get on over to uh, Saints-Giants. Giants, obviously, talk of the town after an exciting <laughs> win over the Packers. Uh, Tommy Cutlets and so on and so forth. I'm not going to engage with, with that memory too much. And then uh, the Saints, they beat the Panthers. Congratulations. So wh- what do we think uh, is going on here with the Saints checking in as five and a half point favorites at home? Uh, they're a tough one to think through because I can't remember the last time a team had so much talent and then uh, at every position except quarterback and then had such bad presences at quarterback and in the coaching variable. So um, the question of what the saints should do and what they tend to do is always, there's always like a gap between those things are usually anyway, I guess last week you could say they, that that was an exception that they pretty much did what they should have, but it was just the, the Panthers like suffocating on their own, you know, it's not like the saints didn't have to do anything. Uh, So this is a tougher test and granted it's also a tougher test for Tommy DeVito than probably what he's seen in a little bit. I, I guess, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, most of the injuries are in the Saints offense, so it's not the defense. The defense, pretty tough. And even though Tommy DeVito's done well and he's, he's you know played really gutsy and everything, he's still not that good. Or, you know, he's not good. And he's, he's benefited from Dable being a little bit more in his bag than he was earlier this year. Uh, I don't yeah. know what changed exactly. I think, I mean, I guess they've, They've they've more settled in on an actual wide receiver rotation now than this the, earlier in the year. They're like everybody gets 15 snaps, which is insane. You can't do that. And lately, they've been more like 40 snaps for Hyatt, 40 snaps for Slate, and 40 snaps for Wandale Robinson. And that makes a lot of sense because that's that's probably your best three, right? Especially if you're trying to be coherent and like the Hyatt and Slayton threaten the corners, the the end zone corners. Robinson's are you know grinding out yardage underneath guy. It's a coherent theory. And I think Dable's kind of like at the point now where he's got enough of a grasp of all these guys that he's 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 figuring out how to play them off of each other as threats and kind of keep the defense a step behind. So if that benefit remains in place, if Dable keeps doing such a good job, then I guess Tommy DeVito, I like his chances of holding his own here a little better than. But going on the road, going against a, a tough defense in general, it would be pretty impressive for both Dable and DeVito if they could just kind of keep rolling here. But what is on the table for the Giants, I think, is their own defense showing up big time. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll be lucky enough to get another uh, Vikings Raiders game out of it or something. 
Yeah, and that nice little three nothing, uh, first and only points scored inside the in a dome. Morning, <laughs> yeah, and it, in scientifically perfect uh, conditions, uh, it's still uh, you, you get three points. Enjoy. Um, let's see. I, I will say, um, Devito's throw to Isaiah Hodgins for the touchdown looks like an NFL throw to me, but it, I'll say uh, NFL backup, but I mean, he's, he, look, he, he made some good plays even uh, in the games before that. It's, it's always the issue, um, you know, highlights being so intoxicating is that pretty much all these guys can make a couple plays that are like, holy crap. But you know, it's, right. it's actually like the boring plays in between where, where things go wrong. No, exactly. So usually it, it, if, if there's like a, a team like the giants that like is doing things that, you wouldn't expect and it, it's fun and you know it, use your word like intoxicating almost a, a little bit i would stop short and, and be like okay n- this is the week that you know things recorrect i don't feel that way about the saints though i don't it is such a bummer they are the most cursed team i can remember dude that like you, you can just tell they hate Derek carr like there's yeah. so many things that are going wrong with Derek carr and he there's something about his personality man like he's just he he's he's like a politician in a, in like a, like a, I don't know what the right word is exactly. Hot topic he's, he's manager. At, he's at, he's it's the Carson Wentz thing all over again, where he's at mm. once arrogant, but also a coward. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's like, he doesn't want to be on the hook for anything, but he wants everything to be about him too. And it's uh, you, even from like the, literally the first game Kamara was off suspension. They were all these shots they had of him on the sideline. Just, just like, rolling his eyes and shaking his head and just like Derek Carr comes over to say something to him. And Kamara looks like he's just despondent. Like he's not looking at him. He's, 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 he's barely keeping himself from like tipping over listening. And um, when you throw in, like there's no parents home either. Right. Like Dennis Allen, he's, he's not there to correct whatever kind of um, uh, whatever kind of like, slight mutinies happen like he's not going to be the one to get anybody in line so it's like no it's kind of Derek carr versus 52 other players on the team in this weird like cold war it's it's a very strange team yep and therefore uh give me the g-men um let's go it's a lot more fun yeah exactly so i'll lean into that if nothing else and the, the saints i think last week was the first time that they've covered a spread at home this year and again it was against the panthers so i'm personally not counting that um, Titans, Texans. This is interesting because obviously, you know, we, we have all the issues with, with the Texans as far as being banged up is concerned. We'll, we'll get there in a second, but I want to start with the Titans. I mean, that you know, the, the Falcons game, I think, stands as an anomaly, you know, kind of a, a sneak attack on the Falcons with Levis uh, debuting in that game. Them and the offense just looking so different in that one. Things looked more like what we would have expected out of a Levis-led offense as a rookie uh, in the following weeks. But then last week, you know, that they had it rolling against the Dolphins defense that, you know, was at home and had been, by and large, playing a lot better uh, over the course of the season. So, you know, what do you take from that and and apply uh, when it comes to this game for for this Titans offense going up against Houston? Uh, I think that the... Titans offense was still pretty glitchy looking against the Dolphins. It was just the Dolphins defense kind of got gassed over the course of the game. And especially that one Ty J Spears catch, although it was a great catch by him and 
I guess a good enough throw from Levis. Uh, it was very close. Uh, it was it was like an awkward looking throw. It's like Spears wasn't quite sure about how he was tracking it. And anytime Levis throws the ball, you know he's guessing. He doesn't know. So it was it was like a, a harrowing kind of play. It worked out really well for them. It got them into scoring range. But I feel like that one, at the very least, it's easy for it to end up incomplete and maybe worse next time around. Um, they're a weird team. The Titans are a weird offense right now because. Um, in a way it's it's like levis is the perfect uh like quarterback reflection of of vrabel like, I, I think vrabel's actually i think vrabel's actually quite smart but he he kind of embraces fully like the, the dumb meathead kind of aesthetic and then levis uh he's got like the fearlessness part that vrabel has but he actually is just like a brave idiot like he's yeah. he doesn't have the actual vrabel cunning he's just completely fearless and an idiot and it's it's uh it makes him kind of immune to some situations where other quarterbacks might get shook including that dolphins game like some quarterbacks would be like oh god this is like our 15th drive i don't remember the last time we got a first down not levis like he comes out there he's just like we're gonna score you know he doesn't he he does not have a doubt in his mind so at all there, there's like a futurama episode where where the brains uh invade the planet earth and Fry is unable to be affected by the by whatever spell that the brains are putting on everyone because he, his brainwave just doesn't quite line up with with what the uh, giant floating brains uh, are, are putting out there, and th- thus Fry is the one to save the world. You cannot control Will Levis's mind with aliens. No, there's no, no connection. It doesn't work. Big brain and winning again. Uh, I am the greatest. Uh, I don't but know. Uh, that makes some drama heads out there. Listen. Though that gives Levis some real, like, uh, I don't know what the word, I guess it's kind of like durability. Uh, I don't know what the word, yeah, l- durability throughout uh, what normally would be stressful conditions that correlate to reduce returns for other quarterbacks. Like, he's 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 not subject to that, which makes him like a wild card. It's almost like a you know, knuckleball kind of quarterback factor. And uh, I don't know, I can't claim to have any idea which way it's going to go. Like, I, I can imagine hopkins getting open quite a bit or whatever and and uh i guess we can imagine derrick henry getting especially if if like will anderson and who else was it that was hurt will anderson uh uh, tavir thomas he's their slot corner i don't know how much cashman's been playing at linebacker but him being hurt so the the titans might be able to run the ball on this houston defense and i think if you just kind of uh keep levis from needing to do too much he should mostly be fine and particularly if there's no i mean even if there is stroud i don't know like no collins right we're getting to a pretty bleak point yeah no browns on the injury report um you know we 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 had our test last week with with john mechie right and it he failed it sadly so got to move on from from that at least for the i don't see it that way uh but also he didn't play any more snaps so i am pretty much willing to chalk it up to uh fatigue that is limiting him this year but that was uh, that was the line i remember but yeah uh we'll see i I, I will say that the titans defense is a lot easier to throw on than the jets like the jets they've given pretty much everybody other than like dak prescott trouble this year no, very true. Um, so that yeah, the the Titans can be thrown on. Um, they are tougher at home though. I'm inclined yeah. to 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 go with the Titans here. Um, I don't know. There there is something about Will Levitt. I'll like take they, the Titans. I mean, the Texans are just so beat up. They're so they, they got to be just sore. 
it, it's a bummer because um, you know the Titans have believing in the Titans has rewarded so many people so well for for fantasy yeah. this year, and then you get to the playoffs and it's like, well, hope you enjoyed that. Um, but oh, we did have a, a question in particular for, from our guy Hoosier uh, that wants to know what do we make of Devin Singletary with uh, you know all of the kind of catastrophic injury stuff around uh, him in Houston. Like, is he going to get the ball a ton? I could see a lot of volume, but you worry, like, if it's Davis Mills or a limited C.J. Stroud that, you know, he's just running into a wood chipper 15 times, and that's just kind of it. Yeah, it is tough. And um, the, the volume at a certain point you can't take for granted if the team can't get first downs, and I do worry a little tiny bit if it's who even is the backup oh davis Davis Mims. what's his name <laughs> Mills. Uh, Mills yeah. Mafia. yeah um dave my, my problem is davis webb and davis mills hold the same like head cannon space there's only room for one especially because they're so similar as quarterbacks and um yeah all of our stanford and, and cal people are getting upset about this uh they're the same thing um yeah i think uh the Titans, sorry, the Texans have enough to worry about that. I, I kind of like the Titans to just sort of um, get more anchor, get more settled in in this game, and I, I will take them to win. Therefore, yeah, give me the Titans, man. Um, then uh, let's go. Got a handful of games to get to. We'll, we'll rock yeah, through fast. these. We, sorry, we, no, all good. I, I'm enjoying these. Of course, it's just uh, yeah. Um, let's go, Chiefs, Patriots, Patriots. Eight and a half point underdogs <laughs> at, at home, which you know, obviously, a, a lot less than we than we probably would have expected. It's got to be a record. Yeah. It, uh, a week ago, so going into into week fourteen, before the the Patriots won in, in Pittsburgh, uh, this was Chiefs minus ten. So now it's seven and a half. Um, like this goes one of two ways either the the chiefs wake up and just absolutely paste them or the problems continue and the the patriots are able to hang around just enough within that number to uh to cover i'm a hater but i'll take the chiefs to roll and cover because i i just think bailey zappy the more you make him play the worse it's gonna get and i know he, he does have moxie and he really does know the game and on throws where he's physically capable of making the pass, he tends to be accurate even. But you can't make an offense with a quarterback like this, in my opinion. It's it's just – it's brutal. It's not going to work. They don't have any talent to support him either. So you know, it, it, there's, there's no way to kind of lift him up. Uh, the Chiefs' offense is busted as hell. I don't know, admittedly, how they're going to make it happen. I th- but I, I think I'll have to take the Chiefs to cover anyway. Uh, even if the defense needs to score two touchdowns and pitch a shutout, I think uh, if I, if I must predict that, then I'll take that over the alternative of like the Patriots. Uh, I, I still think the Chiefs' defense is good is part of the thing here, and I just think Zappy against a defense like that is is just not going to go. Yeah, probably not. So um, I think one thing that could help is Demar Douglas uh, returning to practice, but yeah, you know He's that. Good. He is good, but you know it, it is funny. Like if you told us in in uh, in August that in week fifteen, it's like, oh, Demario Douglas being back could, could really be the, <laughs> what the Patriots need on offense. It's like, oh, it must have gone really horribly for them this year. It, it has, it, it really has. But uh, he he nonetheless uh, has been 
solid. Missed the last two games, of course, but hopefully he'll be back in the mix this week. But yeah, I think, I think the Chiefs uh, kind of take out their their frustrations on, on the Pats here. Um, let's uh, let's get on over cards. 49ers, cards, 12 and a half point dogs at home. Niners, best team in football. I don't know. Um, this is, I guess the Cardinals are coming off the bye, and they looked obviously good the last time that we saw them, but the, the Niners are just rolling at such a crazy level. Um, I know that there are historical trends to suggest that double-digit favorites don't cover in December um, a lot of the time, so I'm, I'm a little bit interested in the cards that way, but like I, I don't think that this one is close. I think you know when it comes to analyzing the, the Niners for, from fantasy perspective, it's pretty straightforward, but uh, is there anything to to see on, on the Cardinals side? Uh, do you think like Kyler Murray is startable this week? Do you think James Connor is someone uh, that you can start also? I love Connor. I don't want to count him out, but this seems like a pretty difficult setting for him. I I would have trouble identifying one that is more difficult for him. I guess in San Francisco. I guess to be fair to Connor's chances, the, the 49ers defense does look like it's managing some injuries. Uh, Greenlaw, Hargrave, Armstead, Traverius Ward all didn't practice on Wednesday. So uh, we'll see if there's anything there. But if, if those guys are, you know, if they're if they're like a little bit of step slower or something, if they're looking ahead to next week a little bit, maybe that's how the Cardinals cover here. But However, the Cardinals do that if, if there's a way. I don't think it can involve running very much. It's like they need to stumble into a couple big plays that, you know, are very unlikely to happen. And then they need to be able to have an above expectation showing by their defense, which uh, the 49ers offense doesn't have any notable injuries. So it's not really easy to see how that would happen. In regards to, to Connor, um, I think he got in a postgame spat with uh, Hufanga after the last time that they played. Uh, so some former player chimed in and was like, that wasn't about football. So I thought that was funny. Um, they must have some sort of, uh, mutual acquaintance off the field, but beyond that, uh, Hufanga is, is not available for, for this game. I believe he's on injured reserve with, with a, with a knee injury. Um, so Connor has a little bit less uh, motivation here. Yeah, I guess, uh, uh, I, to be serious, do need to keep track on those injuries because as much as I said I don't like Connor's chances, I'll, I'd have to quickly take that back if like if a couple of those 49ers are out. And again, I am a Connor fan, so I I, I don't think he needs perfect conditions to produce. He's he's pretty much never had them. No, exactly. No, nor does he actually need the motivation. I just I wanted to bring up that. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That was, that, that was, I don't know where I left my kit. Yeah. <laughs> but. but um, regardless, um, let's, uh, let's keep moving. We got, uh, you know, a game that we've alluded to a bunch of times throughout the podcast from our, uh, listeners chiming in, but Rams commanders over under set at 50 and a half. That's, uh, that's high. That's very high. Yeah. But at the same time, came away very impressed by the Rams last weekend. They really put me through the paces. Uh, I was very nervous, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon, I was freaking <laughs> out a little bit, but. Uh, you know, of course, Tylen Wallace uh, saved the day. But um, beyond that, you know, I thought that Kyron Williams looked good. I thought that the, the Rams had an interesting strategy off the jump. They just I don't, I don't think they even threw the ball in their first possession, moved the ball really well on Baltimore's run defense. So uh, they seem to be generating some semblance of push up front. And, you know, that's good against a, a Washington team that traded away all of its good front seven players for the most part, except for like Jonathan Allen. Um 
And then, of course, Washington's defense. It's good to have them back as far as the, the pass defense goes for fantasy. Yeah, they're awfully busted, of course. Um, I still, even now, uh, question Kyron Williams for the long term. But for this game, it's hard to see what could possibly be better for him. I mean, uh, it seems like volume is always a central part of the Rams game plan for Williams. And Washington defense pretty much isn't there. So, Pass uh, as much as I have, you know, doubts about Kyron Williams in the long term. It's it still is a runner purely. Uh, as a pass catcher, I actually expect his numbers to improve. It, there was another throw in that that last game where Stafford just like overthrew him. Uh, uh, for some reason, Stafford just can't throw to someone five ten or less, I guess. But uh, Williams will definitely catch more of his targets and probably or maybe for for more yards per target at the very least his catch percentage is going to go up like 15 points over the next like thousand snaps of his or something. So pass catching, running the ball, both very much on the table here, I think. And uh, if he has a big enough game, maybe that's how one of Cooper cup or Puka Nakua somewhat disappoint their fantasy investors, but it would require that. Like if, if the Rams wanted to get both of those guys rolling, they absolutely could. There's, the Washington defense is not a serious, you know, it's not a serious NFL product at this point. No, it's got awful. So I, I love this for, for the Rams. I think it's going to be chalk for DFS, but I think it should be good chalk. Um, just like pretty much any time that the Washington's played on the main slate uh, this year as for Washington, they're coming off the bye. Um, anything to, you know, I, I, I stopped short of asking you if there's been any, uh, revelations as far as the offense is concerned, but uh, you know, a week at least to get a little bit healthier. You know, what, what do you expect here against the Rams who are coming off? You know, obviously a slugfest on the other side of the country. Well, I I realize that I have already looked foolish for writing Sam Howell off, especially after like that Buffalo game and uh, his stretch up and his stretch up until week eleven or sorry week ten looked like the sort of thing that that could maybe indicate he had turned a corner. And uh, I suppose that still remains a possibility, but I'm getting really skeptical again. And no, his, keep the faith looking at his year long numbers. I'm like, oh, no, this sucks. This is crap. Uh, you know, 65.8% completed. Uh, that That's good in like 1994. But in today's game, you need a lot more than 6.8 yards per pass. You got to be like seven and a half, I'd, I'd say. And you definitely got to do better than 18 touchdowns to four. 14 interceptions. Uh, I feel like we're a little lucky actually that he hasn't fumbled more than five times with the, the number of sacks that he takes. Uh, Howell is still young. He's still, uh, he's in his uh, first year of, with a system, of course. So there are remaining excuses, even if these kind of charges I'm issuing against him are, are accurate at all. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not seeing much more with him at the moment. Uh, guarantee wise, other than the pass attempt volume, I, the Dolphins game finishing with 23. That was weird. He's, he's going over 40 again, for sure. In this one, I think. And yeah. uh, going over 40, to, how bad can you be for fantasy? No, I, th- I think, yeah, it sets up nicely for him. So I, I could, I could definitely see myself rolling him out in, in DFS contests and most leagues where I, where I have him in, in season long for better or for worse. I think I, I'm going to have to throw him out there unless I have, you know, much better in fantasy. Yeah. Like I, I really don't have any concerns in fantasy. None, none. Um, although he has all this like production 
but we never know where it's going. Like T- Terry McLaurin has been like the most frustrating asset to have in fantasy this year, other than Jahan Dotson, who at one point was getting drafted ahead of Terry because that turf toe late in the preseason. Both those guys, I think they're both still tremendous players. Oh yeah, and this is strong in Dotson's case, but I think they're both still really good. It's just it's not coming together. It reminds so I, me. That's mm-hmm. another pretty in the McLaurin case, especially that's another, that's a big indictment against Howell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not the end for Howell, but even more than any other particular thing, what I want to see from a quarterback as a passer is the ability to make the returns stay the same. Like Terry McLaurin, in other words, should be, uh, you know, a, a 1300 yard receiver with seven or eight touchdowns. His efficiency should be spectacular with that. A quarterback to be a good passer in this offense needs to get McLaurin to that line. And when he's when he stops getting there, you've entered a category as a quarterback where it's just like my stars aren't shining anymore. And that's that's like the most unforgivable sin to me is like you got to whatever else, whatever stupid take 50 sacks in a game. I don't care. Just get 10 catches to Terry McLaurin for once. For crying out loud. Yeah, that, that is sus that that he's doing. He's throwing it that much. How are you not throwing at least some of them? He's bailing. Uh, he's checking down to Samuel. He's, he's checking out. Yeah, not good, not good. So that that is that is a fair concern. Um, let's go Cowboys Bills. Also high total, understandably fifty and a half. Um, as we open this game, I'll, I'll get the uh, I'll get the weather pulled up for for Buffalo on Sunday. But um, I think people are obviously starting to drink the Kool Aid once again on the Bills. Um, you know they they win the game against Kansas City. I did like them in that game. But I think there's maybe a little bit too much um, being being given to them for, for that yeah. win. And I think the Cowboys are second best team in football. So I, I like the Cowboys here. I know, they're, I know they're much better at home than on, on the road. And, you know, that, that can be said of most teams, to be fair. Um, but I think that the Cowboys, the way they set up, the way they match up against the Bills, I like them to go in and win. I'm, I'm almost a little bit surprised that, that they're underdogs. Yeah, uh, it's not a good sign for you, John, but I, I agree fully. And I think uh, if there's no weather intervention, I don't think the Bills have that serious of a chance. I mean, Josh Allen can make that throw to uh, you know DK Metcalf that Geno Smith made that, and the Cowboys do leave open big plays like that sometime. But the Bills lack, so they lack dimensions on offense. And then the, the ostensible fixes to that problem, you know, the, the first round selection of Kincaid, like they reduce him to some kind of like poor man's Dennis Pitta or something. Like what the hell are you even doing? Like, did, I don't even remember Kincaid running hardly any like flats routes or, or like four yard outs at Utah. I feel like everything that I was seeing was like a, a corner route of a, a post route from the slot, you know, plays going downfield, stretching the seam. When has he ever been 15 yards downfield in this offense? I don't remember seeing it. Uh, it's like, he'd have to be like scrambling at, at a, in a broken play to get to that kind of route depth and everything else. It's like six, seven yards, six, seven yards. That's a ridiculous idea of how to run an NFL offense. It's, it's just, it's in a way forfeiting. It's just, it's lining up a usage percentage of your offense that categorically can't go anywhere, or at least not where you need it to go. And Dan Quinn, I think should be able to cook up a little something to just sell out to stop digs. And if you sell out to slow digs, even if you keep them under 80 yards, Josh Allen is just point blank, like in harm's way at that point. And even if he makes a couple big plays, even if Allen has like 330 yards passing in this game, I still think the cost is, in that case, probably three or four interceptions. And the meanwhile, 
the Bills defense, I still think you know, injury injuries are maybe the re- main reason for this, but they're, they're just kind of overmatched by any decent offense at this point. And, um, you know, Dak could have a down game. It happens, uh, I guess, going on the road makes it more likely that it happens this week than some other one. But basically, we need Dallas to play a lot worse than they are, and we need the Bills to play a lot better than they are for, in my opinion anyway, for the Bills to have a serious shot at winning this game. Yeah, so I, I'm on the Cowboys uh, here and, you know, fire up your your usual Cowboys as you normally would. What do you think of Jake Ferguson right now? Hey, he seems really good. I, I was talking with Jim, Jim Coventry on our Saturday show. And how about Ferguson a little bit? And I thought that he would be better than Dalton Schultz. And I, I think he very clearly is. But what's surprising about Ferguson to me is I didn't think that he was going to threaten downfield as much as he has he doesn't really have the wheels for it like he's, he's kind of like a four or nine sort of 40 kind of guy but he definitely has the ball skills and he definitely um like he, he, he's just comfortable playing like a rebounding kind of game like so if, if he uh i don't know maybe like the lack of speed in ferguson's case in in football makes him kind of analogous to like a, a power forward who's six seven or something but is still good anyway because he's just so good at boxing out and stuff and Ferguson's kind of in that category. And again, the ball skills down the seam is, is a huge part of it because he can do yards after the catch on like screens and like quick outs and stuff like that. But to get down the seam is to introduce a big play element. And I, I think especially like the touchdown possibility element that you don't usually see in tight ends that are, that are as slowish as Ferguson. But if nothing else, it's like CD lamb is pulling so much away from the slot down the middle of the field that, Ferguson doesn't maybe have to beat as many defensive guards as he would in another offense. And in this particular setup, he's kind of like a big play check down for, for, for Dak in the sense that like, instead of being a four yard curl or a whatever, a five yard out or whatever Dalton Schultz would have been running. It's like Ferguson's check down is it's, it's like a post route down the middle, you know? And uh, if he's not open, it doesn't matter because he's, he's about winning at the catch point anyway. So, um, He's he's in this weird, or not that weird. I guess you might call it a balanced arrangement where him and Brandon Cooks are effectively like co-second pass catchers in this offense. With Cooks, of course, you know, being more of a downfield big play element, and Ferguson, I don't know, maybe when the field gets smaller, especially like the red zone and stuff, maybe that's where he, uh, his lack of speed doesn't even really matter as much. So nope. uh, he should be involved for like red zone targets, and that that was always somewhat assured. But with the the big thing that i wasn't expecting with ferguson and what what takes him to like another level as a player and as a a fantasy asset is those seam shots and it's like with those two usages locked in and with dak playing like he has been i don't know why ferguson would be less than something like the tight ends what like four or something tight end five something like that yeah it's like him and mcbride are kind of i mean they're different but like as far as fantasy output i think they're they're right there in that same conversation um, you know, did, when you're making the, the basketball player analogy, it reminded me of uh, Corliss Williamson, uh, who, who <laughs> upon a, a Google search, reminded me that his nickname was the Big Nasty, which is I didn't awesome. know that guy. I was thinking of like uh, Jason Maxiel or something like that. I guess. Oh, I remember him. But respect on, on Maxiel's name, of course, as well. But I like Ferguson. Um, it, it's been <laughs> cool to see him break out and and yeah. you know. It, in prime time, 
I, two nights in a row, we saw Wisconsin big boys get up in the air. We saw Ferguson try a hurdle on, on Sunday night, and then one Alec Ingold. Did that <laughs> I was on, like, on who's Monday. the other one? Like yeah, Moore. man. That was uh, yeah. that was something else. Um, so uh, shout out to the Badgers, um, just general. Um, Linchpin of the Dolphins' uh, greatest show in Miami, Divots. Yeah, it's, it's a good. He's actually like a really important player to them. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I, th- I think like some of the players have kind of t- tongue in cheek said something to to that effect, where it's like Ingold makes this whole thing go. I don't know what, what you're talking about. Um, let's go uh, Sunday night game, Ravens Jags. I'm going to be in the house for this one. Going to Jacksonville. Going into enemy territory, Mario, to, to, to see the boys take on the Jaguars. Um, last time I was there for a Ravens game was 2000. Uh, the Ravens won the Super Bowl that year. It was also a Sunday night game. Uh, the parallels are, are setting in. But beyond <laughs> that, um, you know, what, what are your expectations here? The Ravens, uh, three and a half point favorites on the road. Well, I still hold all the same doubts about the jags that i've been expressing since uh whatever the end of september now uh they suck on offense they're a crap no good offense and the times where their point returns say otherwise it's just because of the talent of the you know the trevor lawrence etn whatever flickering through this this dense fog that the the the, the scoundrel sherwood press taylor has cast on this offense and uh it's not going to get better. It just isn't. I'm sorry. I, I, Taylor doesn't have it. And, uh, or maybe I should say, at least in light of Christian Kirk's injury, it can't happen now because while admittedly press was doing something, i.e. anything to try to get Calvin Ridley a bit of going, uh, before the Kirk injury. Now defenses can put that much more attention on Ridley and there's, there's just like no way they're going to get him going. So it's, it's, at best, in my opinion, it's kind of like an Evan Ingram checkdown offense because, again, we we cannot use Evan Ingram six yards downfield. That's against the rules. So you have to check down to him and hope that he miraculously, you know, turns the corner on five defenders with an angle and and get you a big play that way, or uh, put it all up to ETN again. Those are the those are the realistic options for the Jaguars. So throw in the various other issues. Yeah, I think this this is a game where while being in Jacksonville makes it a question, um, I still think that the the Ravens have definite strengths at just crucial weaknesses of the Jaguars and uh, what it takes for the Jaguars to, to get better. I just don't think is there. Nope. I don't either. Um, I, I think, um, you know, I think it'd be a different discussion on the Ravens defense doing well on Sunday night. If, if Kyle Hamilton was, was out and that's still a possibility, but did dodge the bullet uh, as far as that being a long-term thing uh, there, there's pretty crazy splits um, as far as him being on versus off the field. I think they were allowing like four and a half yards per play when Hamilton was out there and like seven and a half uh, when he was out. So that, that underscores just how important he is to that defense is kind of like a, a do it all uh, just kind of, floating positionless uh, X factor out there. So, you know, with, with the way that Ingram has really turned it on over the last couple of weeks, um, I think that Baltimore probably is going to endeavor to, to slow him down because that, yeah, the rest of the, like the route concepts and things just like aren't working uh, for, for Ridley and Zay Jones just can't catch. So that's a problem. Yeah. So that, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of th- ways in which this can go wrong for the Jags 
offense, um, as far as the Ravens offense, um, you know, what, what's catching your eye of late? I've noticed that Gus Edwards has kind of disappeared from the offense. Yeah, I still don't really uh, think that makes a whole lot of sense. I, I mean, I know uh, getting Keaton Mitchell more involved is cool, but getting Justice Hill snaps at Gus Edwards' expense is just short-sighted in my opinion. But uh, if the Ravens prioritize getting Keaton Mitchell the snaps that they waste on Justice Hill, uh, I think in that case there would be enough for for Mitchell and Edwards to be a coherent backfield where both uh, are productive. But yeah, Munkin really likes Justice Hill as a pass blocker for some reason, and I just I, I will never accept those those kinds of uh, player justifications like you better be a threat from scrimmage or you better be like a full black a fullback or like an offensive lineman that i'm putting in the sixth spot or something if you're a total zero from scrimmage like justice hill that's that's just like a definition of a useless player to me but uh munkin disagrees and as long as munkin disagrees with me it is difficult for gus edwards to get a chance to to remind that oh right he takes the football farther when you give him the football so uh I don't know this this Jags defense if if maybe the Ravens decide they want to grind it out more than they did last week like maybe especially if the Jaguars offense is as bad as I think then maybe the the Ravens feel like okay let's go into our run sets let's get Edwards going more it's we we don't need to give 30 pass uh pass blocking snaps to Justice Hill because we're not going to throw it that many times this week you know something like that but uh Keaton Mitchell is the only running back you can count on in the meantime and even he has pretty categorical workload limitations so um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to find anything reliable here. And, and it, unless something changes, there might not be anything to find at all aside from Mitchell. Yeah. So yeah, but as we characterized Mitchell before he even really broke out a middle-class man's Devin HM, um, so. he might even be more like just pretty close to the same thing than I expected. Like I, I don't know. I, these, these, these have been, these have been impressive games the last two weeks for Mitchell, especially considering like how completely off the radar he was a month ago. And I, there is something, there's like something almost like you can, you can see the fear in the defense when he has, Oh yeah. Ball. Like you're just sort of like, they should they're, be afraid. They're not sure what's about to happen. Like if he has the ball on the edge in space, like that there, there's a definite, like, uh oh, and there's also a definite he's getting a first down at the minimum. Yeah, so I can I can believe that Mitchell really is in some weird way, along with Odell Beckham in a less weird way, uh, the keys to making this offense get good enough to compete for a Super Bowl because the vertical element, like we've talked about, it's it's ideal to have it on the boundary and it's ideal to have real speed propelling it on the boundary. But short of that, you gotta get speed from somewhere. And even though he's in the backfield, even though he's not running routes a whole lot. Keaton Mitchell is a player who the defense, you know, they, they set their watches to, they, they try, they try to like set their whole rhythm based off of like accounting for him as a threat first. And uh, that's a big change for even with Dobbins on the field. I don't know if you had, he's the better player and they, they miss him so much, but the, the degree to which the defense goes, like they alter the order of concerns. You know, it's like Mitchell is, is the kind of thing where it's like you have to do, he's the step one at this point. And uh, if Odell Beckham can play 35, 40 snaps a game, then that passing game is coherently designed and, and you got enough, you have a balanced assortment of threats to that. Uh, it doesn't matter that if, if Zay flowers is mostly an underneath receiver, that doesn't matter if Odell Beckham is there to make those downfield plays. And, it, and similarly, it doesn't matter quite as much if Keaton Mitchell's able to, uh, you know, 
occupy a safety, make a safety a step slower from the backfield just because they stay like a beat longer to keep an eye on them or whatever. So I like where the Ravens are going in the sense that they're showing more than they were a couple weeks ago, but I would like to see them uh, get the running game probably uh, in generally more involved, but also probably through Edwards specifically. And I'd really like, I don't know, I guess just, I'd like to, I'd like to see less dependence on flowers downfield. I want, I want to see more looks like when they throw to flowers underneath that he has room to make a move and create some yards after the catch. Because if, if the defense is just like crashing on him, you know, it, very few receivers can work with that the way he was you know, getting uh, leaned on at, at some points. I don't know, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Even last week, uh, he, he was not having a good game until the last drive. And, and uh, the drops you know, are an issue. It's why, like, you know, you, you want to put volume on guys for that big play ability. But if he's not going to catch some of those passes, it's like you got you got to know when to scale a guy back too. Yeah, and it, or they had him on, on a route. I, I don't know if it was like a, him not getting to the right depth, but it was like a third and six, runs a five-yard curl and, and gets tired. It catches it, but tackled short of the sticks, and, you know, that created an issue. So It's good that he stuck know. with it, though. I mean, he, um, yeah. you know, so, some players would have just kind of gotten shook for the rest of the game. Yeah, he was rewarded. I mean, he, he you know, had the octopus. We love an octopus. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the touchdown and the two-point. Um, so... Uh, and then lastly, apologies to anyone if I uh, if I steered you wrong as to whether it was a question uh, as to whether it would be Isaiah Likely or Charlie Kohler being the uh, the tight end uh, one after Mark Andrews went out for the season. It is very clearly Isaiah Likely, and uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I think everyone is. Um, let's finish it up. Eagles Seahawks. A couple of teams desperate need of wins here. I mean, the Seahawks have lost four straight. Chance they don't make the playoffs. Pretty good chance they don't make the playoffs now. Gino obviously dinged up. We get Drew Locke out there. It's yeah, but I mean that this line is still small. I mean it's still just three and a half for the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, it, that feels. It, it's almost like the Jets uh, Jets Texans game from last week, where it's like this, this should be bigger, shouldn't it? Maybe. Uh, I do have trouble figuring out Drew Locke. I mean. I do think he's pretty bad, but I don't know if he's bad enough to struggle against an Eagles pass defense that has done so badly uh, for reasons that I think we could anticipate. You know, basically they're, they're getting too old, and when you're when you're losing a step going against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, it's like things can get out of hand in a hurry. So I I I would definitely pick the Eagles to win, but I don't know if I could pick them to cover. I mean, I guess I would just because of the quarterback situation with the with the Seahawks, but that's maybe the only reason because yeah, these these Eagles corners are not playing that well. the The Seahawks receivers they obviously can do quite a bit of damage. So uh, I don't know if I trust the the Eagles to get a two score lead at any point. Like I, I, it might always be like you know they're up by seven and you know the, they hold the 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 Seahawks to a three you know to a field goal or something like that, and then the Eagles try to score again. But I can't really see them getting safely out of reach but if they i'd be shocked if they blew this game i guess if they do it would come down to them refusing to figure out their run game problems which for which i think they have a pretty easiest easy on hand answer for but uh they're committed to a certain aesthetic more than a certain set of results and uh, that's that's the peril for them is like they're not the best team in the league but they act like they are and they they just they commit to doing things a certain way 
irrespective of like the pragmatic results consideration and uh they're they're getting kind of what they deserve it almost sounds like the nfl version of clemson interesting um so yeah it's it's tough to to know what's going to happen here i think that that line is like more confounding to me that, than than anything because i think you know if this was two weeks ago you're, you're hammering the eagles at, at four points but yeah the way they've looked over the you know they've played just such a gauntlet over the last five or so weeks it's uh you know a little bit out of gas now they got to go into you know a pretty raucous environment generally monday night seattle diminished returns with hertz to a really concerning extent i mean it's like we always just assume like oh hertz will figure it out you know aj brown they'll figure it out but there's a lot of sputtering in between lately and i think it's at the point where it's like they've clearly overexposed some element of their offense like defenses are not getting ambushed the way they used to no i, I thought it was impressive um, the way that uh, the Cowboys were were just kind of crashing on, on A.J. Brown last week and not allowing him to get that that run out yeah. of the catch, which is where he's so lethal. So interested to see if, if Seattle can kind of take a page uh, from that. Uh, but that's going to wrap things up for us here on the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast for, for Week 15. Uh, big shout-out to our sponsors over at Circa, over at Splash, and over at Oddsar, and, of course, our friends over at the Blue Wire Network. Thanks for everyone that, that chimed in on the live stream. You can, of course, catch this in audio form anywhere you listen to your podcast. A little bit later on, on Thursday, for Mario Puig, I'm John McCackney. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.